Hello there friends, this is Spencer Michaud and today we're going to be talking about the astrology of September 2022. Uh, I hope that you're doing well out there, uh, having a good Virgo season so far, getting, getting everything organized and squared away, scrambling around with your new schedules. I know that's what I'm doing here, uh, so forgive me for being a few minutes late, uh, but I'm seeing some wonderful people joining us from the chat. If you are new or if you are an old friend, please let me know that you're here and where you are joining me from. We're going to go on a journey today uh, examining the second and third decan of Virgo as well as the first decan of Libra and all of the aspects that go along with all of that. We'll look at lunations, ingresses, solar phases, out-of-bounds planets. We'll do a hexagram and we'll do an animal for the day. Um, and I'm going to shout out a few of you here who are joining me. Thank you, Rachel, for joining me from the Blue Ridge Mountains of Virginia. Welcome, my friend. Nice to see you today. Lynn is here from steamy Vermont. Ooh, steamy Vermont. Is it pretty hot up there? <laughs> like it's it's going to be a hot one here today, too, in Michigan. Uh, Michelle is John joining us from Bonnie, Scotland. Welcome, Michelle. Nice to see you. I think that's a new, a new face. Um, YVD is here from Manhattan, New York. Nice to see you, friend. Cookerzilla uh, coming here from Mahone Bay. Nice to see you, friend. Carol OM is here from Manhattan. Uh, Azur is here from France. Nice to see you, Azur. Uh, Dina is joining us from Nijak, New, New York. We've got the New York crew stopping in today. Uh, Janet Goodspeed is here from Vancouver, British Columbia. Nice to see you, Janet. Really appreciating all the the talismanic work you've been doing, the jewelry work you've been doing, check her out at goodsigil.com, uh, I think. Good Sigil? Yeah. Something like that. Maria is here from Serbia. Hello, Maria. Uh, Paul is here from Scotland, another Scottish friend. Well, hello. Uh, and Jody, our good friend Jody, is joining us from Florida. Big Steph is here. Big Steph 63 is here from France, anticipating autumn. Yeah, we're going to talk a little bit about the uh, fall equinox today as well. So, and then Fionn is joining us from Ireland. Whoa, so many friends today. So exciting. Well, I am excited to be here with all of you. Um, a couple announcements before we dive into the, the nitty gritty of all this here today. If you have not checked out the new moon in Virgo video that I put out last week, I highly recommend that. I had a very special guest, uh, T. Susan Chang who is the author of one of my favorite Deccan books, 36 Secrets, and other tarot books, Tarot Correspondences, Tarot Deciphered, uh, Fortune's Wheelhouse podcast. We had a really, really amazing discussion last week. Susie is a fountain of knowledge, uh, of wisdom, and I just kind of was sitting back and just staring in awe at one of my teachers. So. Uh, really excited about that talk. So if you haven't seen that one, check that one out. There's a lot of good stuff in there. Um, I also wanted to say that I am putting together my guided group study course slash book club that I've been kind of teasing over the last few months here. Uh, it's going to be kind of a combo book club class. It's going to be me helping to be an accountability partner for all of you. Uh, and to give homework assignments. I'm going to have a Discord server where we can create community, discuss the book that we're going to be diving into. Um, I'm going to have focus questions for the, for the few weeks. Um, I'm really excited about this. I'm really excited about seeing all of you face to face. This is something I'm thinking about doing every other week from the end of September until the beginning of December. 
So it'll be a fall session. We will record the session so that if you sign up, you can have the recordings, but I'm not going to be making these sessions available after the fact. So this is kind of like you sign up, you get the recordings if you sign up, and we're going to be kind of just uh, going through some astrology. We're going to start with uh, ancient astrology and theory and practice with Demetra George, volume two, delineating planetary uh, meaning. Um, so this is pretty cool. I'm excited about this book. I know that a lot of you have been asking me about guiding you through it. I'm thinking something like, you know, 40 or 50 pages a week. Uh, let me know if that sounds reasonable or not. We, I'm trying to make adjustments, but what you can do right now is I have a poll in this, the description of this video to try to find a time that would work for the most amount of people. We have a wonderful international crew that comes to these lives that is a fan of the show here and is a part of our community. And that is awesome, but it also uh, is a unique challenge finding a time zone and a day of the week that works for everyone. So I've got three different options. I'm looking at Mondays, Fridays, or Saturdays, uh, usually during the day. So, cause that's the middle of the day is, will be available for the most amount of people. So if you could let me know what would work the best for you, I'm, I'm leaning towards Mondays in the middle of the day. But uh, if you have a preference, please let me know. I also have some t tuition assistance available for this as well. Um, this course is going to be $180 for, the, for six meetings as well as the Discord server and access to questions with me in this community. But if you need some tuition assistance, I am more than open to helping you out with that. So send me an email at spencermichelleastrology uh, at gmail.com. I'd be more than happy to work with you because I'd rather you be a part of it than uh, not be able to afford it. So thank you, EK, for the super sticker. So that's what I've got going on. So fill out the Google form. Let me know if you're interested. I'm hoping that we have a great group that gets together, talks some astrology, learns from this great book, from this great wisdom. I'm hoping to do this every season. Uh, let me know if there's new topics that you'd be interested in moving forward. But this will be a great way to start off Virgo season is getting together and studying some astrology over Zoom, getting to see each other face to face. I'm really excited about that. Uh, again, thank you, EK, for the super sticker. If you'd like to support the work that I'm doing here on these shows, uh, you can uh, buy me a super sticker or a super chat with the little dollar sign in the chat there. Or you can buy me a coffee at buymeacoffee.com. That really helps support the work that I do. It gives me time to, you know, read and do research and all of that, keep the lights on, the bills paid, all of those things, and, and really do appreciate all of that. Um, if you are trying to get a heads up on the fall season, I'm also available for readings right now as well. I do transit readings, I do natal readings, I do fixed star readings, Deccan readings, whatever kind of reading you need, I'm here for you. Uh, so the books are open right now. It usually takes about a week lead time to schedule. So make sure that if you have an immediate issue, like you, you give a week in advance kind of notice. Um, and uh, yeah, uh, it's a it's a very, it's a conversation. We I try to make sure that I am a great listener and reflecting back any of the challenges that you may be going through and just trying to be an oasis of peace in, in some of these challenging times. So those are all of the things I've got going on. Please fill out the form. Let me know if you're interested in the book club um, I'm really excited about that. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. That's kind of be going to be, I think, my my big thing for the fall. Um, so get while the getting's good. I'm looking at September 24th through the 26th for a starting time. Like the new moon in Libra is is one I think we're going to start. So you've got about that much time to sign up. All right, friends, we've got a lot of great comments coming in here. 
Um, do got do bah. Raven says, my mercurial placements love this new offering. Give me all the homework. Yes, that is, that's one of the things I think will be great about it. Like, um, sometimes all we need is just a little bit of a organizational mind, some accountability to be able to get the most out of the reading. I know sometimes just doing reading by myself can get a little monotonous. And when I have people that I can discuss it with, that's when it gets really exciting. When there's these new ideas that you can bounce off one another, that's when we really, the group mind, the hive mind really adds to our insight. So that's my hope with this. Uh, Lynn says, fantastic, looking forward to it. Thank you, Lynn. I hope that you will participate with us as well. Castle Rock says, we love to see it. Thank you, Castle Rock, for being here. Um, and yes, people have been interested in this book, this new book by Demetra George, which is a fantastic book on Hellenistic astrology that really goes through the houses, specifically delineating planetary meaning within the houses. There's a lot of advanced techniques at the end of the book too. I'm hoping to get through the entire book. So if you need some help with some of these sometimes challenging uh, Hellenistic traditional techniques, um, I hope I'll be able to bring some clarity for you. And J Jody says, Mondays are great. All right, more people vote for Monday. <laughs> that's, what I, that's what I'm leaning pretty heavily towards at this moment. Uh, so, all right, friends. So th that's my, those are my spiels for the day, kind of keeping you updated on what's been going on around here. Uh, I'm officially an empty nester, so I, I don't know if you've uh, been following along with my per parenting journey, but I dropped my daughter off at college this past week, so that'll, I think, free some time up for me to do more studying too, <laughs> although the, the parenting job never really ends, so I hope that she's doing well at her school and, and able to kind of, you know, be able to succeed in her journey. But uh, yeah, if you've got advice for a, a new a new Cancerian sun empty nester, that's great. Some days it's good, the other days it's like, oh man, it's kind of lovely. Um, but this is why I love seeing all of you and all of your wonderful comments here. Oh, thank you. Thank you, uh, Yana. Oh, that's Yana. Hello, Yana. Thank you, Yana. Thank you for your super sticker. That is awesome. Thank you so much. I appreciate you. Okay, so friends, Let's talk a little bit about September. Uh, I'm going to give you some big picture thoughts. I'm gonna bring up a chart. We're gonna go over some of the themes with the, the tarot, with the, uh, the astrology, the I Ching. Um, we're gonna talk about the animal of the month as well. So first couple big picture thoughts. We've got four lunation cycles that I like to track. Um, there, there are more ways to track the lunations. Some people track it with an eightfold cycle. I think for me, the most poignant astrological phases are the, the full, uh, the new, the first quarter, the full, and the last quarter moon. So we're going to have a first quarter moon on September the 3rd. Uh, that is at 11 degrees of Sagittarius. So that's like when we're trying to bring something into the world, where we have a crisis of materialization. I'll talk about that more as we go through the daily um, the daily transits. We have a full moon on the 10th of September, which is at 17 degrees of Pisces. So we're trying to balance out sort of the uh, control and organization versus like maybe some of the things that are out of our control and things we have to have faith in. So we'll, we'll look at that as well. On the 13th of September, we have a last quarter moon at 24 degrees of Gemini. So really trying to figure out how, which which things are most important to us, right? Which types of things are um, we want to breathe life into and which ideas we're gonna have to let go because if we wanna bring things into fruition, we're gonna have to you know, focus our intention and our energy. We're not gonna be able to do every single little thing. So that might be, I think, what we're gonna be seeing on that last quarter moon on the 17th of September. And then we have our new moon 
on the 25th of September at two degrees of Libra. And this comes right off the heels of a Mercury Kazemi. So that should be really interesting about maybe seeing things from someone else's perspective and seeing things from another viewpoint, maybe becoming aware of some injustices. So those are our lunations for the month. We have four ingresses as well. And ingress is a fancy word for a planet moving into a new sign. So on the 5th of September, Venus is going to move into its fall in Virgo. So not a super comfortable place for Venus in Virgo. Um, we'll talk about this when we talk a little bit about the nine of pentacles, where we see a figure who is really, uh, you know, very self-sufficient, very skilled, but maybe kind of lonely. And this kind of reflects, I think, Venus in Virgo a little bit as uh, Mercury is really exalted in this sign, right? So we're focused on our work. We're, we're really, you know, getting in touch with the minutia of things, but we may not have as much time for socializing. We may be like grinding away in our in our you know ivory towers here on some level um and we need to come up for air every once in a while so that may be some things we talk about with that um maria thank you for the super sticker thank you so much friends i really appreciate these donations this is so so amazing thank you for your support this really keeps me going so thank you for that um so that's venus and virgo on the 5th of september the sun will move into libra on the 22nd of september i think i said september before if I said November, forgive me. <laughs> I try to go quickly through these things. Uh, and so that's our fall equinox. So we'll talk a little bit about the sun being in its uh, fall as well. Um, fall related to the fall season, the autumn season, and really where we're, you know, our own individual desires and, and um, initiatives sort of have to run through others around this period of time. And that sometimes can be frustrating. So we'll, we'll talk about that a little bit. Uh, on the 23rd of September, uh, Mercury retrograde is going to go back into uh, Virgo. So we'll talk about the solar phases because Mercury retrograde is a, is a uh, big feature of this month. Mercury is going to turn retrograde on the 9th of September. Uh, but, but we'll have Mercury moving from Libra back into Virgo on the 23rd. On the 29th, Venus is going to move out of her fall and into her own domicile of Libra. So that should be an improvement by the end of the month if relationships are getting a little rocky or if we're having trouble uh, harmonizing with people. So another thing we look at in the big picture of the month is what's, what I call solar phases or what, what many people call solar phases. <clears throat> and this is any time you have a planet that has a, a really important relationship to the sun, whether it is moving direct or retrograde, whether it's going under the beams or coming into conjunction with the sun, these are things that can really be kind of moments of what Robert Schmidt would call phasis. So phasis is, a, is an omen that speaks louder than others would at a specific time. So in this case, on the 9th of September, we have Mercury stationing retrograde at eight degrees of Libra. So there may be some injustice that we're become aware of that we need to really ask some questions about and say, how do we get justice? How do we, how do we bring things back into balance? Those are some of the questions that we're gonna be asking ourselves throughout the month of September. Uh, on the 15th of September, we're gonna have Mercury retrograde moving under the beams of the sun at seven degrees of Libra. That's called its heliacal evening set. And that has to do with Mercury moving into what people call the psychopomp phase. Hermes was a, a deity or a planet that, that could go um, between worlds. They thought of Hermes as someone who was a, uh, a, you know, a god of the crossroads where he was going between worlds and he was leading and guiding souls to the underworld. So this might be where we're going, a period where we're going within to really seek out answers from our own uh, our own souls, our own spirits, our own 
hidden hidden processes. So we might be doing a lot of things behind the scenes and trying to find answers maybe from our past, uh, maybe from our process. So that's going to be happening on the 15th of September. And then we're going to have Mercury renewing itself at its, at its inferior conjunction or its Kazemi in the heart of the sun at zero degrees of Libra. So this, again, could be a powerful time for deciding how to bring and restore equilibrium to a situation that may have gotten out of balance. Um, in addition to those solar phases, we start off with uh, five planets in retrograde motion, and it's going to be joined by Mercury in a, as a sixth planet. So Mercury eventually will go retrograde, but we start the month off with Jupiter, Saturn, on, and all of the three of the outer planets, Uranus, Neptune, and Pluto, in their retrograde uh, phases. And it's, it's not that uncommon, but it, but it is kind of speak to the type of energy that we're experiencing right now, where this may be a review period, where, where things are not necessarily moving forward quite as quickly as we would want to, because Mercury itself is going to be moving pretty slow as it, as it comes into its inferior conjunction. It moves a lot faster in the superior phase, but it slows way down when it, when it goes retrograde and comes into that inferior conjunction. So we may have to kind of slow down and think about what we really want to do moving forward. Um, the out-of-bounds things is something that I've been looking more on the big picture thoughts. That, that is a time when a planet is outside of the normal declination path of the sun or the normal uh, distance the sun uh, gets off of the, uh, the ecliptic. So you can, you can understand that by seeing a planet that is at either 23 degrees and 36 minutes or greater than that north or south of the uh, path of the sun. So that's if you're looking at your your astrological program they'll have a thing that says declination okay and or this is i believe it's astrological longitude um so this is something where you can see whether it is outside of that distance or that number and it's sort of like a planet that's kind of gone rogue or maverick uh, it's not really following the rules and when the, the moon does this our emotions get kind of a little wonky uh, maybe extreme, go to extremes. Our bodies may not be feeling the best that they normally would, or we go to extremes with the body, maybe work out a little too heavily or eat something crazy during this time. So this month, we're going to see the moon go out of bounds from September the 3rd to September the 7th, and then September the 16th to the 21st. Moon is generally out of bounds only for about four days. So usually these are periods where you can get through a couple days that may be a little bit emotionally extreme, and things will settle down. Um, I did want to just give you kind of a heads up. When Mars goes retrograde later in this year at the end of October, it is going to be also out of bounds for many months. And we're going to have a number of planets. I think I counted, I was doing some research on this the other day, three or four planets all out of bounds besides the moon um, during the end of the year. So just kind of file that away that many of the planets are going to kind of have their own agendas and it may be a little, look a little bit different than you're used to. Okay, so those are the big picture kind of thoughts I have for the month. The hexagram that we're going to be working with today is hexagram number 50 called the cauldron. So what are we, what are we cooking? What are we brewing up, right? And it's moving to sovereignty or great possession. So this is actually a great time to start cooking and, and kind of finding which ingredients to put into the cauldron that you want to mix up to create something so that you can have personal power and sovereignty moving forward. The animal that we have this month is the chickadee, which is a very adaptable uh, kind of a, an aerial uh, daredevil on some level. They can fly in all these different directions. They're very social. They're great, great communicators. So think about that as we go through this, uh, th these transits of the month as well. 
Okay, I'm going to take a look at the chat here for a second. Big Steph 3 says, dude, I've been an empty nester for seven years now. I look and wonder how I raised my two wonderful daughters. <laughs> I, know I sometimes feel that same way, Big Steph. Um, they've always been two steps ahead of me, though. Yeah, it is a, definitely an, a shift of energy. Um, I love my daughter very much, and I, you know, I drew a lot of purpose from helping her to um, grow and to succeed out into the world. But I will say that, that sometimes when you have a teenager or an older teenager in the house, sometimes they're, they're ready to go and they want some freedom and, and their emotions can be really loud. And that's the biggest thing I've noticed at being an empty nester is I can, as a very sensitive, empathic person, I can kind of feel my own feelings again rather than constantly being bombarded by adolescent hormones and <laughs> like their feelings. So that's kind of nice, but also I, I, I miss my daughter and stuff too. So it, it's a mixed bag. It really is. Um, but I think it's just an adjustment period for those of you who um, have gone through this or maybe going through this in the future. Um, it's just another phase in life. And once you get used to it, you kind of, you know, you make adjustments and you, you add things in after things leave your, leave your life on some level. And it's not that bad. She's a mile down the road. So we still get to see each other. Uh, Jody says, Venus says mutual reception with Mercury at that time. Okay, so yes, a Mercury-Venus mutual reception. We'll take a look at that as we move forward in September as well. Good call, Jody. Uh, Castle Rock says mutual reception, but aversion. So people are pointing out the Mercury and Libra and Venus and Virgo mutual, mutual reception. And what that means, if you are new to that term, is that they are in each other's houses or domiciles. They are providing resources for one another, even though they may be in aversion to one another, where they can't actually witness by at traditional aspect. So there's a secret line of communication between Venus and Mercury this month um, that will help us to hopefully navigate some of these waters that we're going to be swimming through. Okay, Paul says, I have two swifts outside my house at, the, at night feeding. Nice power animal to look up to. That's cool. Like uh, chim chimney swifts. <laughs> That's neat. I, I would say if you follow me on Instagram, you'll see that I recently posted a, a video of a, of a black squirrel that visited me on Saturn's day. I was doing the Orphic Hymn to Kronos and right outside my window, the, all, all these animals, I live on the second floor, so it's, it's kind of rare for me to see all these animals, but they appear, you know. Uh, a black squirrel that I've never seen around my house uh, appeared right after the Orphic Hymn to Kronos. So it's, I, I love seeing animals as messengers and as, as talking to us about what we might be uh, expecting and experiencing. They can teach us through their behavior, through the things that they eat, through the things that they do, through the, their prey, and through their, you know, as being predators of other animals. There's all sorts of relationships that we can learn. So Black Squirrel to me was like, hey, it's time to prepare. It's time to Saturn up a little bit and, you know, do, do some work. Um, and you got to get serious about it. It's not time for, for playing like a squirrel might do. It's time for, for gathering all those walnuts and, and seeds and preparing for the winter. So that was the message I got from that. Uh, and, and, you know, everybody can interpret it, those messages slightly differently as well. Uh, Castle Rock says, interesting note that Saturn moves less than one-fifth of a degree in all of October. Yes, so Saturn is slowing down to turn direct um, in October as well, so that's a good call. Okay. Castle Rock says, I saw a black squirrel on my walk last week. First ever. Yeah, I've seen them every once in a while here in Michigan, but they're they're rare. They're not as common as as the regular fox squirrel, So, and I've never seen one near my house, so that was that was something pretty incredible. Uh, Big Steph says, you mentioned Mars and Gemini. I heard float like a butterfly, sting like a bee. 
Yeah, we're going to have to deal with some challenges with that. I hope that all of you are, are doing okay with the, Mar, uh, the Mars-Gemini square of the new moon. Um, I've already had some friends that have gotten into some verbal, verbal jousting that has been a little painful. So I would, I would really recommend to all of you to, to watch your words, watch um, the way that you speak to and about others, whether you think that they're listening or not. So sometimes people can overhear things and feelings can get heard, and that can, that can really be quite a challenge. I will tell you, my personal experience of this new moon so far is I've been uh, trying to, in addition to designing the, this course that I'm doing, I'm trying to get all these different opinions for times and everything, which is quite a challenge. Um, there's a number of courses that I would like to take, uh, many of which T. Susan Chang turned me on to. There's a couple of tarot courses that she has going on. Check that out at Atlas Obscura, one that's starting in October. And then another um, called her Living Tarot course I've been interested in, as well as a an Iliad and Odyssey course. <laughs> it's like that she like had uh, was like a consultant for the Greek. I don't know if, if you heard her on my show, she just fluently busted out some Orphic hymns in the original ancient Greek, which is incredible. Um, but trying to decide between all of those has been kind of like, oh, there's so many options that you have for learning, right? <laughs> we want to do it all at once, but hopefully you'll, you'll join me for, for the uh, ancient astrology and theory and practice uh, guided group study course. <laughs> But support Susan's work as well. She's amazing. Um, I wouldn't be able to do the work that I do without her inspiration as well. So, okay. So that's been kind of my experience, like so many options. And how are we going to pare those options down to something where we can do it to the best of our ability? A lot of the times when we try to do too many things, we kind of cut corners. And that, I think that's probably part of the problem with this new moon as well, is if we get ourselves involved in too many things, we may not be able to do any of them very well. So something to consider as we move forward. Um, Jody says, I actually saw white squirrels when I went to a yoga retreat. Oh, very cool. In North Carolina. Equally beautiful. Yeah. I'm so, so getting in touch with spiritual energy, the divine. That is very neat, Jody. I, I, that's a very cool experience. Any, anytime you see uh, a, an albino or a white animal, that is a, a very special message from that animal. In my experience, um, sort of a, a, you know, something that says, hey, pay attention to this. This is something that is divine, spiritually infused um because we see regular animals out and about and they, they are definitely messengers as well but when you see a white one that that is an extra special message um do 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 castle rex has looked up and there are literally one in a million wow uh for the black squirrels i think it looked up the symbolism and it was like a little a little dark and ominous oh no <laughs> castle rock tell me tell me a little bit more about our black squirrel omen hopefully it's not too bad <laughs> like um, Michelle says, I have Venus and Virgo in the 12th and Mercury and Libra in the 1st and they'll chart looking forward to the insights and will hopefully come. Yes, I will try to do my best to bring some clarity, Michelle. Uh, Lisa is here. Welcome, Lisa. I hope you'll be able to join us for a book club. You're the, one of the people I've been thinking about with this in particular. Um, do -do 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 -bat -do -bat -do. Yeah, Mars and Gemini doesn't turn retrograde until next month, so we'll talk about that. But um, let's see. Okay, that's what I've got. <laughs> I love talking with all of you. I'm going to get started with some of the chart stuff here. I'll take a few breaks every once in a while to, to check in on the chat. Make sure you put some questions in there if you have them. Um, I'm totally cool with all of you answering them for each other as well because everybody's so knowledgeable here. Uh, so let's start diving in. Um, I'm going to talk a little bit about the, the decans 
and then we'll get into the nitty-gritty of the the transits so we're going to start on the first two days of the month we're going to start in virgo one and this is kind of the eight of pentacles energy where we're the first stuck in of virgo where we are trying to really gain the skills necessary to be able to infuse spirit or essence into matter to pass on a legacy to the next generation so this may be where you're thinking about what classes am I going to take? What groups am I going to join? What skills do I need? How do I get organized, right? So the first few, we're in that decan right now as I record this. So we have that until the end of the month in August. And then we're going to have the first couple months of September that are just about the process, right? T. Susan Chang talks about this decan as being related to the process. And then when we move to the second decan, we're, we're creating the product, okay? Um, so if we look at the screen. I'm going to pull the screen up here. So here is our chart. I've got a noon chart here, so we just get the basic vibe of a day. Um, you can see, if we just look at the overall vibe here, there is the sun hanging out at about nine degrees of Virgo. We've got uh, that overcoming square from, from Mars, which is a condition of maltreatment, but it's separating at this point. We may be feeling this most acutely in the last couple of days. So if you've had some conflicts with people, and I've had a number of people in my life who have been experiencing conflicts, a lot of it just due to misunderstandings and assumptions and sort of, uh, you know, getting focused on semantics, which is, I always find those arguments a little frustrating because sometimes it's just like, ah, oh, they're very process orientated uh, misunderstandings and arguments, right? Um, how we how we name something, how we how we want to to do the process that we want to do something with, and we just were coming off of an opposition from uh, Venus and Saturn as well in the last few days. So this isn't something that we've been dealing with. But in the beginning of September here, that aspect is separating. We're going to start kind of feeling a little bit of relief from the square from Mars to the Sun. Uh, Mercury is in Libra and it is the host of the Sun. So it is an aversion to the sun, so we may still have a little bit of confusion about what we're doing moving forward. Um, as you've noticed with my group study, I didn't just launch it right away. I, I'm trying to get uh, a perspective on the other people's point of view first to be able to, to make it uh, accessible for the most amount of people. And that feels very uh, Mercury and Libra in aversion to the, to the new moon, <laughs> you know, like, hey, let's kind of ask other people's opinion first before we get started. Because I do think that that is important during this time period is there's a lot of different um, things that we're trying to juggle. And when we get some feedback, that can actually be really helpful and help us to, to create something more successful. Okay, so on the first, we do have one aspect that we're looking at which is a sextile between Mars and Jupiter. So you can see we've got this sextile here, Mars and Jupiter, six degrees of Gemini, and then here Jupiter is at six degrees of Aries. So this is something where we're, we're exploring our options and we are getting in touch with the, all of the possibilities and trying to figure out how to best create personal sovereignty. The, the, that first second of Aries that Jupiter is in is sort of like which which um which territory do we want to conquer you know which uh how do we want to build a world that best reflects our true authentic self so we may be exploring at the beginning of the month still figuring this out as we go along as we move forward to the second of september okay i'll move this here 
We're going to see uh, an opposition forming between Mercury and Jupiter. Okay, so <laughs> yeah, that one's a little, little funky. We may have so many ideas. We may be trying to weigh the opinions of others and and ask questions of others, but we have our own agenda that we're trying to, to enact as well. So this could be where our, our opinions could get a little bit uh, grandiose. Our thoughts could be a little bit, it could be somewhat challenging to, uh, you know, basically <laughs> figure out how to take our own needs into account and the needs of others. So this is, this is something where we might feel a little tension with that. Mercury is, is asking a lot of questions about what is fair. Jupiter is saying, how can I bring honor and merit to myself and to my community through expressing who I am and who, what my needs and desires and what my expertise is. So those are the things we might be seeing at the beginning of the month here. Uh, Beth is talking about we have too many choices with Mars and Gemini. Exactly. So we're questioning all those choices here. Um, Jody is, is, is giving some gratitude for this group here. I agree, Jody is a great group. Um, let's see, let's see. Yeah, Raven says, definitely notice the square energy on Twitter the past few days. Oh no, Twitter, oh no. That's not the place to be with <laughs> Mars and Gemini, uh, Sun and Virgo square. Uh, that's probably like ground zero for all of these conflicts. Um, you know, so, so much bickering. Yeah, I, I would agree. I just kind of, this is one of the reasons I'm slightly less active on Twitter than I am on like Instagram and things like that. I feel like Instagram is, you know, I can just post my pictures of cat videos and, and tell people about my stuff and, <laughs> and nature. And I don't have to like argue with people about stuff on Twitter. Yeah. I know that it's, it's for some people and there's some great communities there, but it just feels to me like everyone has an opinion and, and no matter what your opinion is, there's going to be someone that takes umbrage at it so i kind of i kind of stay out of that that as much as i can although it is somewhat impossible to do completely uh yeah castle rock says the scales love feedback it's true i agree we're, we're we are in need of feedback right now so i think that that's the, the thing to getting through this time period in the, the end of august and the beginning of september try to get someone else's perspective before you get angry about um either their opinion what they've said um, i've had some friends who have gotten really in a lot of arguments about, uh, you know, like I said, the, the naming of things. And I think it's just a misunderstanding because we're all getting thrust into new circumstances, you know, at the people are going to school, people are getting into new groups. And sometimes we don't necessarily understand where someone's coming from. And, and if we make assumptions about that, that can, that's where the conflicts begin. So I'm a big fan of asking questions, of easing into relationships of lowering your defenses you know i think that oftentimes we get defensive when when people accuse us of things or when we, when we need to just really get more clarification so I, that would be my advice at this beginning part here um jody says mercury opposing jupiter on, jupiter on the first yes we're, we're getting to that here mercury in long conversation with a lot of planets right now in retrograde station approaches yes uh lynn says Instagram has been bombarded with promotions suggested for you videos, which also feels like Mars and Gemini. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Instagram isn't isn't a completely safe space either. The problem with that platform is that you have a lot of people impersonating, um, especially people in the div divinatory community, um, astrological tarot and otherwise, and trying to scam people out of money. 
Um, that is one public service announcement that probably should be reiterated. Myself and other astrologers and tarot readers most likely will never DM you or direct message you for a reading. Uh, and you can look out for people doing that by keywords is like, hey, beloved, or my love, or something like that. We don't really talk like that. I just felt your energy and that you needed a reading. That's kind of BS. So don't get scammed by that. I've, I've had that happen to me once, and it was a real pain in the butt. Um, so, you know, just be on your guard. I only book readings through my website, through my Acuity scheduling app. So th those are the only ways that you'll be able to schedule a reading or sign up for a class for me. So I do talk to people in DMs. I, I have friends and sometimes people like send me a message and I'll be like, hey, that's cool. Thanks for the compliment. Thanks for liking my cat video. Oh, I love your cat video. <laughs> so, you know, I'll have a conversation, but I'm, I'm not going to solicit people. Um, every once in a while, I will ask questions, but not a solicitation for money. So please be aware of that, especially as Mars uh, you know, goes through Gemini and, and that there can be a lot of conflicts in that in those spheres. Um, let's see, Mars at seven degrees is interacting with that opposition, more conflict opportunities. I may need to leave town. No, don't leave town, Beth. Just just think twice before you talk or ask a lot of questions. Okay, yeah, Mars is kind of hanging out, sextiling that that uh, Jupiter and making a trine to to Mercury. So again, it, it is going to play a part in that conversation. All right, so that is kind of the, the last aspect that we see in the first, when the sun is moving through the first decade of Virgo. So now when we get to the third, we're going to be seeing the sun moving into the, the second decade of Virgo. And I'm going to stop my share for just a second and just talk about that briefly. So we have the nine of, of pentacles card that is uh, con or it's synchronized with this decade of Virgo. Okay, so this is this is a place where we are seeing a figure that is in a garden, in like a lush garden. She has a a hawk or a falcon that has a blindfold on it. So this is this is uh, representing something that is a trained force that could potentially weed the garden of inefficiencies. So. Uh, this decan is called Hammer and Anvil by Austin Kopic. T. Susan Chang calls it Perfection Alone because there's a lot of themes of solitude that we were talking about with this decan. It is a Venus-ruled face, but it's Venus in Virgo. Venus in its fall, right? Venus in a place that's not super comfortable with, where Venus likes to usually bring things together. Mercury likes to separate things out into categories. So we may be working really hard, to, to bring something into form. And that can be really lonely. Think about you just out in your, you know, in your, I don't know, your den or your study or your workshop, just laboring away, doing the hard, dirty work to, to make something beautiful. So I, I, I like the way that Austin Kopping in his book, 36 Faces, talks about the relationship between Aphrodite, Venus, and Hephaestus, who was the divine blacksmith. They were married. Sometimes to create something of beauty and balance, you have to do the hard, dirty work to get it done. And I think that that's what this Deccan is all about. It is related to the Sephira Yesod in Asiya. And Yesod is really, it's, it's a moon Sephira, where it is, is kind of like, this is the time before manifestation. So this is like, if you can dream it, you can achieve it. So this is the process of getting the final details done, of, of doing the hard labor to get it, to get it out into the world. So self-sufficiency, high standards, infusing spirit into matter, 
um, doing it through hard work, weeding the garden of your inefficiencies, um, industriousness, but sometimes that industriousness will lead to solitude. Uh, Susie Chang and I talked about the themes of encasement, of encasing spirit into matter with this, uh, with Virgo in general, and especially in the, in the stories of Demeter, where she is shrouded, she's shrouding her divine light to be able to walk amongst the people in her search for Persephone and relating to the people at large. So we're, we're trying to uh, preserve something special and pass it on as a legacy. To me, that is, that's Virgo in, an, in a nutshell. Okay, so we are trying to, like the, the hermit card, encase spirit in some kind of container to be passed on. And this is, this is harvest time, right? We, we've spent all this time growing something, growing abundance, and now we're starting to realize that the peak of growth is happening and now we're, the, 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 the equilibrium, the scale is going to start to tip in the other direction at the, at the fall equinox, and things are going to start receding. The growth period is done, and the, the, the recession like, is going to begin. I hope, you know, I hope it's not necessarily economic recession, although that could be the case as well. But, but just these are natural cycles of nature. So we're going to see the, the energy of the earth start to recede and, and forms start to die. And we have to think about what are we going to preserve to get us through the winter? And what are we going to return to the earth, which is very important. We have to return some things to the earth to be able to fertilize the next cycle, right? To be able to create fecundity in the earth and compost things. The compost is a really important part of living. And I think that in, especially in North America and in any other capitalistic, late stage capitalistic society, we're really not very good at composting. We're, we have this illusion of of uh, endless growth and we're seeing the consequences of that with uh, climate change and things of that nature and, and people having difficulty with um you know lack because if you try to you know you try to get something out of the soil for too many seasons in a row it's going to stop producing something that's nutritious so returning things to the earth a really good meditation with this so let's bring our chart up once again and see what we're looking at so the first thing that we're going to look at on the third is we have a square between the, uh, the sun and the moon on the third. So this is our first quarter moon that we've, we're talking about here. So here is the first quarter moon at 11 degrees of Virgo and Sagittarius respectively. So I'm going to circle that and we'll talk about that because this could be one of those crisis points that Dane Ridyard talks about. And this is the crisis of bringing something to fruition. Uh, the, the second decan of Sagittarius is about testing your will. Um, that card is the Nine of Wands. And in it, you see a figure that is like sustained some kind of injury, but he's standing his ground. He's sort of exhausted from the fight, but he's like, you know what? I'm not going to give up. I need to unify my body and my will to achieve a goal. So for us to be able to bring things into fruition, to encase something into matter, we may need to, to really dig deep and find courage and find our willpower to get it through to the other side. And that may be tense. You know, we, I think that the other thing I will say with this square is that we, need, we may be so focused on the details of the process that we're starting to lose touch with the bigger picture. You know, Jupiter, Jupiter ruled signs are all about the big picture. Mercury ruled signs are all about the minutia. So we may need to refocus on the big picture, on the goal 
And then that will help us to, to find the right process, find the right skills, find the right procedure to make that goal happen. Okay, I have, this is a huge reminder for myself as well, because I, having a Virgo stellium in the second house, I get really fixated on the details and the process. And oftentimes, this is why I have to do this big picture thoughts at the beginning, because I want to see it all in context. I mean, I have five pages worth of notes for you today. And, and oftentimes, I can get fixated on the little parts. And then we just have to see how it is all relating within the big, big picture of our life. That's, it's very important. Okay. Let's see. So that is our first quarter moon. And that moon is hosted by Jupiter. So there may also be some, some reevaluation of our own needs within the projects that we're working through as well. And it's okay to think about your own needs. Oftentimes, if we deny our own needs, that's when we start to feel resentment, you know? I think it is really important to understand someone else's perspective. That doesn't mean that you have to just completely bend over backwards for people. When something is balanced in equilibrium, it takes both people's needs into account. So you can understand someone else's perspective while also um, taking your own needs and perspective into account as well. Okay, I did want to give you a heads up that on September the 3rd, the moon will also be out of bounds. So this is one thing where we were talking about where our emotions might be feeling a little bit stressed. We may be feeling a little bit more, um, you know, topsy-turvy than normal. I think this is a point in the process where we're working so hard that we're starting to get a little exhausted. We may push ourselves beyond our limits to get the project done. That's what I'm seeing with this first quarter moon, especially with the moon out of bounds. So my recommendation here is take care of your body, practice self-care, you know, come up for air every once in a while. Uh, go for a walk. If, if This is something that's really important when you're working hard on a detailed project. Sometimes you just have to take a break from it. Oftentimes, if we get stuck on one part of the process, we can, we can really destroy what we're working on. Um, this, I, I've told this story all the time. I was the, an artist as a young person, and I wanted it to be so perfect that I would just erase a hole in the paper and completely destroy what I was working on, or I would overwork it. If I was painting, I would overwork it. I would add too much, and I'd be just like, ah, shit, I've <laughs> done too much. And sometimes if I had just stepped away from it and then seen it from a, instead of from an up-close myopic point of view, if I'd taken a step back and saw the big picture, I would have probably been like, you know, maybe this is okay. Maybe I need to move on to this other part. Uh, as we learn to do art, oftentimes what we'll do Instead of what I would do as a young person, I, would, I like drawing faces, and I would start with the eye, and I would spend two hours on the eye, and then the next eye, but they wouldn't be connected to one another. So I had to learn to make a little like outline, a little circle, and to like line things up so that I had the big picture in mind before I started getting granular into the little details. So I think that's an important part of this particular uh, phase of our solar lunar cycle. Okay, so that's the third. Uh, when we move forward to the fifth, that's when we see Venus uh, moving into Virgo. So as, yeah, and Jody's pointing out that the, the days leading up to this transition, we have, um, we have Venus at the anoretic degree at 29 degrees of Leo. 
which is it's kind of intensifies the, the planet a little bit. And I'd love to hear more about your research with that anoretic degree, Jody. Um, but that's something that, uh, you know, astrologers point out is we'll feel the energy of that planet a little bit more intensely before the shift um, because it's in flux, right? So something, something to, to do more research on for sure, but that is a good point. We may get a sense of relief after Venus moves off of that anoretic degree and into Lib- into Virgo, sorry, uh, and on to the fixed star Regulus. So Regulus is the heart of the lion, but it has since processed over the course of time into Virgo. And this, this fixed star grants power, it grants uh, fame, uh, authority, but I think the transition to Virgo speaks to uh, the real royalty now is being skilled and developing skills and producing something practical. So Venus may on Regulus may help us to receive help in that regard as well. Um, Venus in Virgo is really interesting to me. Um, I've noticed when Venus has moved into Virgo, I start to get very critical of my own appearance. And I wonder if those of you who have this natally or have experienced this as well. I think everybody for on some level, either has a certain level of, of liking certain parts of themselves and not liking certain parts of themselves that they see in the mirror. And I, I just notice whenever Venus is in Virgo, I'm just like, oh, I can see my little crow's feet on my eyes or, oh man, my hair is getting thin. <laughs> like, oh, all these, these things about aging, these things about impending uh, decay. And I think that this this placement also i think i've seen a lot of famous people that that uh get really addicted to like plastic surgery and things like that where they're trying to preserve their youth through uh you know what they see as perfecting themselves um and it can really go awry and i remember i'll just i'll be vulnerable here and tell you a story about venus and virgo that when venus was in the third decade of virgo a few years ago i was getting really antsy about seeing my hair start to thin a little bit. I'm a Leo rising, so forgive me for a little bit of vanity <laughs> around my hair. Uh, and I started making this like, I, and I'm, I'm really, uh, I'm not a fan of like getting some prescription for it. I, I was like, oh, let me try to do something natural. And I made this like, I found this recipe for this crazy like hair oil that had like saw palmetto and turmeric and all this, these oils <laughs> that I would have to apply to my hair like twice a day or, or something like that. And it was full of turmeric. So if you know anything about turmeric, it, it stains yellow. And I was just like, I can't, there's no, there's no fucking way I can do this every day. Having this yellow shit in my hair just to preserve like whatever hair I have left here. This is insane. <laughs> like, so, and I was like, man, Venus in, in Virgo, right? Like going, to these extreme lengths to, to preserve something that if you just kind of come to a point of acceptance, um, I think it's much easier to flow into that state. I also tell a story with Venus and Virgo about like, uh, for example, if you're a chef or if your partner's a chef and, and you, they're in the flow state, which would be Venus in its exaltation. Like they're just, they're not really following the recipe. They're just throwing a little bit of this and a little bit of that into the pot. And they're just really in the moment. And then you come in with your Venus and Virgo and you say, are you following the recipe? Did you use this much? Did you measure this? And you get them completely out of the flow state. And <laughs> it's like, you know, it's through criticism. So I would really be careful of criticizing, especially yourself, but other people in this time period as well. 
So that's that's a really difficult thing. And Jody is giving me, you know, Jody's trying to pump my ego up with talking about I have, that I have nice hair. Thank you, Jody. I, I I try to take good care of it. Eventually, we all have to come to terms with the, our these mortal coils beginning to decay. And I think that we can do that gracefully. Um, I'm hoping that I can do that gracefully. I, I, you know, getting into middle age here and <laughs> just, I won't dwell on it here, but you know, sometimes it's a, oh yeah, big stuff says Joan Rivers said she wished she had a twin sister so she would know how she was supposed to look. I, if someone out there can do some research real quick and tell me how many Virgo placements Joan Rivers has, that would be great, because I almost guarantee that she has quite a few. Uh, I, I'm almost willing to bet that she has Venus and Virgo as well. I know that, um, oh man, there were some other ones that are escaping me right now, but, but yeah, that's something to, to think about and to not overdo. Sometimes a little bit of self-improvement is okay. I think do we just have to know when to say when, you know, like I think that, you know, I try to eat healthy and take good care of my, my luscious mane, but there's a point where I have to say, is what I'm doing actually harming me versus helping, right? Okay, so one thing that people were pointing out that I think is worth examining is that when Venus moves into Virgo, we have a condition called mutual reception that starts happening between Mercury and Venus in Libra and Virgo respectively. So what that means is that Venus is now in the house ruled by Mercury and Mercury is in the house ruled by Venus. So they have a secret line of communication to one another. I've heard this described as you're spending the night at a friend's house, um, but they don't really know that you're there when a planet is in aversion to another. Now, in this case, you may this may be a friend that you know pretty well, and maybe you've been in the house, so you kind of know where stuff is, and it's still a mutually beneficial relationship. You still don't have direct communication with, with the neighbor, but you have a pretty good idea where stuff is. You know them pretty well. They're cool with you. You're cool with them. And you're maybe you're exchanging vacation homes or something for a day. I, I don't know. Like, does anybody have vacation homes anymore? I don't. But you know, I'm just trying to find an example. Okay. So, all right. So it's something where we're trying to find out other people's perspective, and that's going to help us to harmonize the skills that we need to move forward with our life. Uh, we have somebody, Castle Rock is saying, Joan Rivers has uh, Mercury and Virgo stellium. <laughs> of course she does, right? Uh, yeah, uh, so again, I also think of like Michael Jackson. Michael Jackson has a, uh, a bunch of Virgo planets opposite Pisces, and you know he, he was probably very hard on himself. You know He was very critical of his appearance when he was younger, even though he was a handsome dude. He was very much a perfectionist. It allowed him to, to attain a very high skill level in, in various things and singing and dancing and his production, his albums. But it, you know, he also turned that critical eye on himself where, where he may not have known when to say when with self-improvement. So again, th these are cautionary tales, right? All right. Um, Big Stuff says, you will grow to be amused by the signs of aging. My <laughs> spirit is young. <laughs> oh, boy. Um, I hope that I will be amused by it. I'm starting to get to the age where there's little aches and pains there where I just can't eat everything that I want anymore. And I'm a foodie, so I love food. But I have to, like, you know, 
take it easy a little bit. Like today I've got a, a little protein shake so that I, my blood sugar will stay consistent while I do this for three hours. So instead of me fading towards the end, hopefully that'll help sustain my energy over the long haul. So that might be a good way to think about this energy as well. Okay, so that is the 5th of September, all right? And that's really the last uh, major thing that happens for a few more days. So we're going to be dealing with the Venus moving into Virgo. Uh, we're going to be dealing with a mutual reception with Mercury and Venus. Uh, Mars is still going to be hanging out. And now Mars is going to be in the overcoming square to Venus, um, which puts some pressure on Venus, right? We may have a lot of options in our relationships as well, where we may get a little bit dissatisfied or disgusted with our partners or critical of our partners. And that may cause us to maybe have a little bit of a wandering eye like Gemini is apt to do. That to me is the biggest difference between Virgo and Gemini. Virgo wants to, or Gemini wants to expand possibilities. It wants to search out new things. It says, I, these, let, let me explore this option. Let me pollinate this flower. This flower looks nice. This book is good. This class is good. It's, it's, it's expansion. Um, Virgo is trying to consolidate and says, this is uh, flawed. All right. This isn't beautiful. This is, this needs to be eliminated. Whereas Gemini says, this is beautiful. This is gorgeous. <laughs> like, you know, like, so, so you may, it's a grass is greener on the other side type of thing. And so there's a dynamic between these two planets happening around this time where because of dissatisfaction with Virgo, uh, you know, there, there may be a, an, uh, a impetus to look around a little bit. So be careful with that. Cause that can lead to some conflicts as well. Um, just a little heads up that I forgot in the beginning, uh, as far as like, if you want to know more about Virgo in general, especially that, that concept of divine disgust of, of the goddess of Demeter, of Erigone, Astraea, the goddess who was so disgusted with humanity that she left this plane, excuse me, <laughs> oh, pardon me, a little sneeze there. Uh, there's for those of you Virgos out there, you're like, oh no, <laughs> disgusted at my sneezing and my sniffling. Uh, if you want to learn more about Virgo in depth, I, I did a, a webinar series uh, called the 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 Decans of Virgo or the Decans in general, the Integrative Divination series, and I'm putting each one of those now that I've completed the series, putting each one on sale during each season. So the the first one I did, the Decans of Virgo, is now on sale, twenty percent off. And it, there's no code for it. It's just it's just 20% off at the store on my website, spencermichaud.com. So if you missed that the first time around and you want to get a little discount on that, that's available right now. Okay, so check that out. All right, so let's move forward. That's our vibe for the uh, for those few first days of September. You can see the, the moon is still waxing. It's still moving towards the opposition with the sun, moving towards the full moon. The next kind of major astrological thing we have for September is that Mercury is going to be starting to slow way down and turning retrograde on the 9th. Okay. So this is our next major, um, there is a Mercury retrograde right there. So this is happening September 9th, Friday, 11, 11.38 PM Eastern time. You can see it's stationing retrograde at eight degrees of Libra. Okay. Oops, I'm getting my circle out. There's my circle. So this is a, a moment of phosphorus, all right? This is a 
point that is speaking louder. And I've, I really started paying attention to this since Schmidt pointed this out and Demetra George points this out in her great books on, on Hellenistic astrology, is that there's, there's events, there's tangible events that we see when a planet like Mercury goes direct, stations retrograde, goes under the beams of the sun or emerges under the beams of the sun. So this may be where, where our thought processes, we have to review the other, okay? So this is where we are feeling a sense, maybe a sense of injustice, potentially. This is the two of swords. This is related to entering the underworld after death. After we've shuffled off this mortal coil in the last decade of Virgo, we meet with Mott at the entrance to the underworld and have our heart weighed against the weight of the feather. We, we are judged. So this Deccan th throws into our face all of the things that are unfair. Maybe all the things that we did in our life that we regret, um, things that were, we've carried with us that weren't the most um, gr graceful things in our life. And we have to you know, uh, perform retribution for those on some level or live again and <laughs> learn those lessons again. Uh, I, I feel like the story of, of Libra we become aware of injustices, and then we have to do the work of bringing them into balance and then maintaining that balance. So th this, this Deccan has a spirit associated with it called the Uranese. And those are the like monstrous, um, like harpy-like creatures that were called upon or prayed to when someone who got away with an injustice, um, you know, when someone wants to punish them. So like, let's say someone murdered somebody and they were never caught, that you'd pray to the Uranese and, and the Uranese would find them because you can't escape divine justice. Maybe you can escape human justice, but not divine retribution. So there may be something where we're reviewing, where we're trying to bring something back into balance that doesn't seem fair. So the, that to me is, is the, the essence of this particular retrograde. So look at the Libra area of your chart. Also look at the Taurus area of your chart because this, this could be um, you know, kind of uh, related to Venus in Virgo, causing difficulties for the Taurus area of our chart through the Libra area of the chart. Okay? So all of these things are connected. There's, I, I would, you know, Susie joked with me that, that all of us astrologers, it's surprising we don't have those, those red line conspiracy theory <laughs> posters or like walls on the back. I'm surprised I don't. It's funny that I'm using these little red connecting lines here. This, <laughs> this to me is funny. They look like this. Oh, you are connected here. And eventually it just starts looking like this. <laughs> you got sort of like that, that little beam of that little guy from It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. You like smoke it away. Like now listen to this. <laughs> you know, like, um, and you can get overwhelmed with that, but it is nice to make connections every once in a while. Okay. Um, yeah. And Castle Rock is pointing out, word of caution, resist the desire to compare yourself to others speaking from Mercury and Libra experience. Yeah, exactly. Um, and this could where we, we, we could feel a little bit of disgust at our own skill set by comparing ourselves to others. This was something that I had to, um, <laughs> this was something I felt uh, pretty poignantly last week, when you're sitting at the foot of a master, like Susie Chang is, um, you have to be real careful to, to, with your self-talk, because you have to realize that everyone has different strengths and weaknesses. Everyone's at a different point in the path. I feel like for me, who, who is very meticulous and, and really holds myself to a high standard, 
it, it's it's both a treat and it's a little bit of a like a a, a, a goad when you have an interaction with someone like that because you you it reminds you of how far that you have to go and in the past when i had interactions with folks like that and and it was it happened quite often as a young musician i would get really anxious and i would get really like hard on myself i, I could never sit in a concert of someone i really liked for very long i would be there for like an hour and then I'd be like, I gotta go practice. <laughs> you know, that was, I just, I, so I think if you use that feeling that to go and study and improve yourself, that's, that is a good use of that energy. If you use that energy to block yourself and, and to lose confidence completely, that's when that energy becomes toxic. Because sometimes we can compare ourselves to others like Castle Rock is saying, and, and that can lead us to quitting. And I think that that's, that's when we have to really reevaluate and say, you know, well, we can't quit. We just, let's just keep studying. It's okay that someone's a little bit further down the path. It's okay that someone has a little bit of a different skill set. Um, I know that starting a whole new career, like I've done it with professional astrology in my late 30s, uh, I had to have beginner mind. And I think it's really important. This is something that the, the hexagram talks about, having beginner mind. It's okay. Um, to, to learn something new, you don't have to have it all figured out. And um, that takes a lot of humility. Um, it takes a really uh, a, a strong sense of self-esteem and a, a healthy ego to be able to say, you know what, I don't know. I'm going to ask some questions and I'm going to allow myself to have my own journey uh, and, and not really get too so frustrated that I don't continue to go along and continue to learn. So great point. Um, Castle Rock there, I, I, I love you bringing that up. Um, Jody's saying, I think in this Mercury retrograde is going to be really pleasant due to a lot of trines and sextiles. I mean, are, are Mercury retrogrades ever really pleasant? But I think that they can be. I think that there are certain ones that are more difficult than others. I think when we have Mercury in its exile or in its fall, that can be a really difficult one. When we have Mercury being witnessed uh, negatively by the malefics, that can be really tough. But you're, the point you're making is we do have some trines to the malefics, to Saturn and Mars. And, you know, it is making a contact with Jupiter, even via opposition. Um, my only concern with this one is trying to figure out how much of a, a good thing is enough, right? We may be wanting to, to try to do so many things that we feel overwhelmed. And trying to do so many things in service of becoming uh, the best version of ourselves. So I think that it's really about using Virgo season to pare down and do a few things really well. I think that's really important as we move forward. Um, let's see, Lynn says, my favorite saying about this is comparison is the thief of joy. Ooh, I like that, I like that. Great reminder in this, in this time frame. That's a good one, Lynn. Um, Tanya Gerardo says, Gemini rising, Mercury stations retrograde over Manito Pluto, bringing balance is a theme I can definitely focus on. Yes, Tanya, that will be a great thing to focus on. Um, you know, making sure that you're not getting lost in the, the platonic depths, uh, maybe even of your history of those things that you've buried underneath the surface. That's really important. Mm -hmm. Christopher, welcome, Christopher. Christopher says, yes, yeah, same. As a musician, I always got really jealous of others who were talented. And now that I've been out of bands for a while, it's easier for me to see, to just be amazed by talented musicians. Yes. Hallelujah, Chris. Um, yeah, I, I, same, hard, hard, same. And with astrologers too. 
there was a period of time when I first started studying traditional astrology that I would take a look at folks like Chris Brennan and Austin Kopic and I'm like, shit, <laughs> they've got a 10 year head start on me in this particular mode of study. Like I'd studied astrology, but I was a, I was a enthusiastic amateur that had never even been exposed to tr- traditional astrology at that point. I was really working on music and, and really trying to be great at that. Um, and they had been working on that for a decade. And it made me, it really forced me to work very, very hard to try to maybe close that gap a little bit, but also just at this point, just appreciate them for what they are and their beauty exactly is a great point. There's, there's a quote by one of my favorite um, podcasters named Ira Glass, This American Life, and he talks about the gap. And there's always going to be a gap between your skill set and your taste and, and where you want to be, your vision. And you just you close that gap by doing a lot of work, by doing hard work. It's not through getting disgusted and through hating other people and getting jealous. It's through being inspired by them and saying, hey, look, it's possible. They've done it. Now I, I can do it too, right? So I think that's a great perspective to have. It's really healthy. Um, you know, this is something that we're always going to be on both sides of this. Sometimes people are going to get jealous of us because of our skill set and our talents. And, and we have to be able to, to weather that as well. Um, and I think we do that through generosity. I think for me, I try to be very generous with my knowledge. I, I don't try to hoard my knowledge. I try to share and uplift others. I try to see beauty and light in everyone that either comes onto this uh, show, uh, who is a guest on the show or a participant in the chat, any student or client that I have. Um, if you can uplift others with, with your light and with your study, um, that's really, to me, that's what it's all about. So that's something to consider. We make ourselves better so we can serve others better. Okay. Um, I'm looking through the chat here. So many great comments. You all are awesome. You're such a great community. I love all of you so much. Um, Okay. Raven says, competing with others makes you bitter. Competing with yourself makes you better. Yeah, bitter versus better. I like it. So be better, not bitter. (laughs) That's a good tongue twister for a mercurial season. Okay, friends, let's keep going. So that's our, that's, that happens on September the 9th, Mercury stationing retrograde. Let's talk just briefly about Mercury as psychopomp, right? So this is something that I have talked with with a good friend, Gary Caton, who's another one of those like people who is just an expert in his specific area of expertise, which is Mercury and its cycles. And he got me real hip to Mercury as psychopomp. When Mercury is within 15 degrees, of the sun and other people will argue with what the degree is and you can use whatever works for you. Um, to me, I use the, the, the extended beams of the sun. Uh, when Mercury is both retrograde and under the beams of the sun, uh, his opinion is that Mercury is going on its psychopomp journey. And, and that means that Mercury is entering into the underworld and Mercury is one of, excuse me, the only gods or deities that can move between the land of the living and the dead. And as T. Susan Chang and I were talking about, he has the caduceus, which is like his all access pass, his staff that allows him to go and move between worlds. So this is a time to go in internally. It's time to review something that is given, maybe taken back is another thing that we see in traditional astrology. Maybe there's a relationship that you're trying to cultivate and there's some hiccups with it. You're reviewing that relationship. You're reviewing a partnership and asking some questions. Uh, 
and, and asking what is fair and what needs to happen to move forward. So eventually Mercury is going to be renewed into the heart of the sun. This is an old Mercury. Dane Ridyar also had something where he talks about, an, uh, I believe, an uh, Epimethean Mercury, uh, one who, who benefits from hindsight. So this is a great time to review the things that you've been doing, review your partnerships, review your uh, your justices or injustices that you're experiencing in your life. And eventually they will meet uh, at the Kazemi at the, at the very early degrees of Libra at the end of the month. Okay, so that's something to consider. The other thing about Mercury when it's in this phase is that it is going very slow. That means that you should slow down. Uh, you don't have to fire off your opinion or your project or whatever it is. You don't have to do it uh, quickly. It's a time for slowing down, checking things twice, checking the details, because you'll save yourself a lot of hassle if you review things, uh, you know, cut, measure twice, cut once, right? I've been telling my, I told my lovely daughter as she was getting things for her dorm um, off of Amazon. Uh, I hate that we have to, to shop like this, but, you know, we were trying to be safe with COVID and do more online shopping and things like that. My advice for her was measure twice, order once, because, you know, she, she ended up ordering some things that just didn't fit her dorm room because she didn't actually look at how big they were. <laughs> she ordered some shelves that she thought were huge, but were actually like tiny little shelves. So it's a good lesson. Measure, measure twice, order once, measure twice, cut once. So that can, that's going to save you a lot of hassle during this retrograde period. Okay. Let's talk a little bit about what this is also leading up to, which is the full moon. Okay, so this is the full moon that's going to be happening on September the 10th. And I will have another guest hopefully for this, or I will go solo with that. I'll see what, what, what all happens around that period of time. Um, it's been a lot going on. <laughs> Juggle a lot of things. Scheduling guests is a, is a, is a full-time job in and of itself. But I will say, for those of you who are wondering how... Um, how Susie Chang got to be on the show. I'm going to credit the Venus Jupiter trine. I just had a whim on that day while reading her book that I usually try to find people that have connections with the lunation. She has first decan uh, Virgo sun, which is perfect for this first decan uh, Virgo new moon. And I was like, you know, I should just reach out to her. I don't know her. I don't have any like special insight, but I just got on her website, asked her and like, She's like, you caught me at a great time. And I was like, oh, Venus, Jupiter, trying, you know, it was, it was uh, over my first and ninth house. So getting a, a connection with a, with a favorite teacher. So uh, sometimes you just have to try something. Sometimes it works out and sometimes it doesn't. And um, you never know what, what will happen. That's why throwing your hat into the ring is a good, a good thing. Okay. Hey, future past astrology is here and Rachel is here. Hi, hello, Rachel. Um, Jupiter, future past says Jupiter and Aries, they're opposing Mercury. It seems that there might be an interesting balance of assertion versus diplomacy around the time. Absolutely. Yes, we're talking about our own personal needs and being able to sever from the, the community to, to do our own thing versus taking other people's needs into account. Definitely going to be a theme over the beginning of this month. Um, do boop do do yeah, uh, we've got some, Castle Rock's talking about meal planning <laughs> for September, <laughs> running into the, what do you want for dinner? I don't know. What do you want? I don't care. Whatever is fine. Yes, yes, that is a, you know, not really saying our own needs can lead to an inefficient process, right? Okay. 
yeah, Janet says, so cool. I'm glad that it worked out. I am too, Janet. I'm glad that you were able to join us too. I'm glad it worked out that you were able to be a, part, a partner on this show as well. I really enjoyed our talk as well. And man, you do great work with your, your uh, jewelry. I hope someday, I saw your, um, your, your Cancer 2 talismanic work with the Three of Cups stuff. And I was like, ooh, I, I might need to, there's some secret store that you have, right? I might need to reach out for something like that. Maybe uh, we'll figure something out <laughs> with that. Um, but anyway, let's talk about this full moon. Uh, we're seeing the full moon on September the 10th, 2022 at about 5, yeah, about 6 a.m. Eastern time um, at 17 degrees of Virgo and Pisces, respectively. Venus is hanging out with the sun. Neptune is hanging out with the moon. Uh, and we still have Mars T-squaring that lunation. So Mars is still in the, in, in the conversation, in the equation. Um, the sun and the moon are going to be separating from a square with that, but you know, it's still, still an issue. Um, oh, yes, Janet says, let, let me know. We can work out a trade. Yes, let's trade. Definitely. I'm into it. Yes. This is why you got to make friends with like all sorts of different types of folks out there. If you have a certain skill, don't be jealous of other people's skill set. Make friends with them, and then you can have a great bartering relationship. Like, do your thing. Get great at the thing that you do, and then you have currency. <laughs> you know, that's great. So cool. Thank you, Janet. Um, we'll be in touch. All right. So, yes. We've got this this full moon, and we are in a decan with the sun where we're trying to perfect something. We're trying to weed out the inefficiencies. We're trying to bring something and encase it into matter. The moon is going to be in a decan that is related to uh, satisfaction, um, related to happiness, but also potentially to overestimating your abilities. So what I would say with this full moon, you're going to want things to be perfect they're not always going to be perfect. You're going to have to know when to say when, when to get out of the process and say, it's good enough, I'm going to release it to the world, right? Uh, you're going to have to know when, what the limits of your abilities are. Uh, this this decan of, of Pisces is related to Sorcerer's Apprentice energy, right? So this is something where we could, uh, we could totally overestimate, you know, our skill set and try to shoot a little bit over the mark. It's okay to leave the last 10 to 15% of your project sort of quote unquote unfinished or leave it to nature to finish, leave it to the divine. This is a, a Japanese practice called wabi-sabi where an artist would just leave a certain part of it wild or unfinished because the, the creator himself or herself or itself would be uh, you know, responsible for that last portion. And I really think that that's what this full moon is gonna be about. Knowing when to say when, when to release, when to say it's, it's, it's good enough. Now it's time to move on. It's time to release it out into the world, right? So try not to beat yourself up over this. Try to get into the flow state. Try to respect your own limitations while also not ignoring the details that's important um, and try to have a healthy balance between your own needs and the needs of others because you can see here we've still got that mercury jupiter opposition you know flowing away uh but but actually it's not it's it's applying once again you know like with mercury moving backwards you know getting into that opposition with jupiter once again okay um do that but do that's the full moon 
the day after that. And we'll also be feeling this during the, the full moon. But the day after, the sun is going to be making and perfecting a trine to Uranus. So in addition to everything I just said about that full moon, try to do something in a new way. Try to utilize your resources in a way that you may not have done before. This is another thing that we see in the, in the hexagram that I'll talk about at the end of the show. Sometimes you have to use unorthodox methods to, to get your, your project over the finish line. Sometimes you have to go outside of your comfort zone a little bit. Sometimes you have to embrace a new method. Human beings are creatures of habit. We, we like to know what's going to happen next most of the time, or at least I do. And yes, we, yes, a little bit of surprises are good, but most of the time, most people are not super thrilled with having unpredictability in their life. In this case, though, we're, we have to review Uranus moving retrograde, how we are instituting new rhythms, new routines, new uses of our resources, okay? All of these things that, that are asking us to review how we are initiating some kind of uh, new insight or flash of awareness or, you know, celestial fire that has been given to us by the gods. This is a, a, a theme related to Prometheus, right? Uh, Richard Tarnas talks about Uranus, uh, Uranus, Uranus, potato, potato, related to the story of Prometheus, and even suffering for the gift of fire that was given to humanity. Um, so there may be some suffering involved with trying to institute a new way of doing things. I personally believe that retrograde Uranus is, is talking to more global themes about how we utilize our resources. Um, I, I could maybe think about this related to how we're dealing with climate change, how we're dealing with dis fair distribution of resources, um, how we're thinking about how we, cr we grow our food, how we obtain our energy. All of those things are up for review right now because we're facing crisis. We're facing, you know, wildfire. We're facing drought. We're facing, you know, land formation changes by melting ice and by rising sea tide levels. It's, a, it's time for action, and it's not time for doing it the way that we've always done it. And I think that this is going to be true in our own personal lives as well. The same day that, that the sun is trining Uranus in an earth sign, so a new, new material process, the moon's going to be hanging out with and making a conjunction with Jupiter. So this is, again, a great way to like, you know, do it a new way and do it your way, you know, like that's the, maybe your way is different than someone else's and that's okay. It's okay to innovate a little bit. Okay. All right. Looking through the chat here. All right. Yeah. Chris says this full moon is on my lot of spirit. I've been trying to keep a thorough dream journal for the rich and new perspective. God, I love Pisces. Yes. I love dream journals. I love journals of any kind. Um, when I was talking to Susie Chang last week, I realized that even though I am a fairly anal retentive Virgo stellium with Jupiter, Saturn, and Mars in Virgo, a true Virgo sun uh, is, takes things through a, to a whole new level <laughs> sometimes. Uh, she was talking about all the spreadsheets she has about what she's eaten for dinner for the last 15 years. And um, that was awesome. Those, I mean, I guess you got to have data and you got in, if you, you know, I think one of the reasons she has such great books 
is that she's able to have all these these reams and reams of data and make make connections between different correlations right and i think that that's something that um i would highly recommend if you want to become a student of the divine of divination keep some records i personally keep a, a journal that i write every morning i write all the aspects that i'm having in the margins i write down my tarot cards of the day my animal of the day etc the I Ching thing so that if i think about um, what was going on in that period of time in my life and connect it to those things in my life, I could see what the symbols are trying to direct me towards. And that, that's a really great exercise, okay? So something to keep in mind. Um, let's see, Future Past says, whenever the moon is in Aries, I imagine her and Jupiter doing an epic high five. Yeah, that's, there's going to be an epic moon-Jupiter high five on September the 11th as the sun is trining Uranus. Okay, let's keep rolling. What do you say? That is the last aspect that we see when the sun is in the second decan of Virgo. So I'm going to stop my share here. We'll check in again. How's everybody doing? You doing okay out there? Uh, we are at, what are we at? About an hour and some change. Thank you for hanging in with me. Um, we'll keep going. This is a great time to remind you, if you are enjoying the work that I'm doing here, the first thing that you can do is hit the like button. Please, please, please hit the like button. That, that helps with the algorithm and whatnot helps get the message out to the most people possible. If you're new here, please subscribe. Subscribe to the newsletter. That's a great way to stay in touch, especially for classes. If you have not yet, please fill out the poll telling me if you're interested in the guided group study course that is going to be happening at the end of September. I'm trying to take in all of your opinions to find the thing that is best for the most amount of people, the time and day and things of that nature. Again, there's, uh, there's some opportunities for uh, some tuition assistance. If you're struggling with the, the cost as well, please reach out to me at spencermichaudastrology at gmail.com. Okay. The other thing you can do if you want to support my work, you know, hit that little uh, super chat button. There's a little dollar sign in the chat. Uh, that really helps me keep the lights on or make a donation after the fact at buymeacoffee.com. Okay. Let's talk Virgo 3. Virgo 3 is related to the 10 of pentacles. So here we see an elder figure surrounded potentially by friends and family. Uh, you know, this, this card is called Wealth. It is a, oh, thank you, Kessel Rock, for filling out the G sheet. Good job, good job, good work. Um, it, Austin Kaba calls this Deccan, third Deccan of Virgo, 20, between 20 degrees Virgo and, and the beginning of Libra, uh, with, he calls it the sarcophagus. Susie Chang calls it return on enfleshment. And this is a Mercury ruled Deccan, so very powerful with Mercury in Virgo, okay? Uh, Book of Tea and Book of Toth call it Lord of Wealth. The daimon is Hestia, the, the keeper of the sacred flame that preserves the wealth of the city, of the home, uh, of the, the, the infuses essence into form and preserves that sacred flame. And the Sephira, which I think really is, to me, this is really, helps me understand this, is Malkut in Asia. And Malkut is the very bottom of the Kabbalistic tree of life. And that's where, where things manifest into form. And this is the most manifesty of those Malkut cards. This is where things get physical manifestations. Sometimes we have the manifestation of an idea. Sometimes we have the manifestation of an ambition. Other times we have the manifestation of an emotion. But here we have a physical manifestation, the product of our work. And we, you know, sometimes when we create something that, that can bring us wealth, 
oftentimes at the end of a material process, you know, we have to figure out how we're going to pass that wealth on. So this card can be associated with inheritances, with leaving a legacy. There's a fixed star uh, at 23 degrees of Virgo in this deck and called Alkis, which is the sacred cup of Apollo, which is about passing on a spiritual legacy. So the other thing that I think is important during this period of time, and this period of time is between September the 12th and September the 22nd, which will bring us all the way up to the fall equinox, is that we are becoming aware of the process of entropy. Okay, all of the things I was talking about earlier about becoming aware of the aging process of like all the wild things we do to stay young, to, to, to keep these, these bodies healthy. Uh, a lot of that can be attributed to Virgo 3 and that energy, right? Where we're saying, all right, we understand that entropy, the process of, of order dispersing, okay, which is natural. And how do we defend against that? How do we create order and defend against that entropy? Or how do we keep things together long enough to preserve something against the ravages of time? This is what we see in Austin's book, 36 Faces, where he's talking a lot about uh, decay versus preservation. I happen to have Mars and Saturn in this decade. So I've, <laughs> I've had a lot of hard lessons when it comes to decay versus, versus preservation. I, uh, you know, in, in full disclosure, I'm pretty obsessed about my health. And I'm pretty obsessed about, I used to want to live to over 100. I'd still think that would be okay. I have a, a couple of members of my family that lived to in their late 90s to their 100s. And I, I took notes, literally took notes in long conversations with them. I had a great grandmother that lived to be 106. Now, half of her, you know, secret is she had, she had a pacemaker. So that probably helped a little bit keep her going. But I asked her, what's your secret? And she's like, well, I'm very social. I, I, I read. Um, I have friends. I eat healthy. And you want to know the real secret? She's like, dark chocolate. And I was like, mm, okay. So I eat, I eat a shit ton of dark chocolate every day. Uh, you got to watch out for the sugar. You don't want to eat dark chocolate with a high sugar content. I have raw cacao powder that I add in the shake every day. But the point being is that we are trying to figure out during this period of time which material things we want to pass on, which material things we need to, to release back into the earth and compost back into the earth and learn from, okay? So there's some wisdom in that. So the wisdom of old age, the wisdom of passing on a legacy, the wisdom of protecting against the ravages of time and returning something to the earth. Um, there's sacrifice in this. There's, there's change that's happening. We're changing from summer to fall, okay? We're, 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 this is a shift of energy. All of these mutable signs are the that shifts between seasons, okay? So per, what are you going to do when the fruit is ripe? And how are you going to preserve it through like canning or something? How are you going to pass on whatever your legacy that you've been working on? How are you going to sell your goods? You know, how are you going to distribute them out into the world? These are all things to think about during this period of time. And then also, what are you going to let go of uh, that is no longer serving you? And it's okay to let go of things. You don't have to preserve everything. You don't have to hoard everything. In fact, if you do that, that blocks the energy for new things to come in. One of the, one of the things that I always do during Virgo season is clean the shit out of my house. You know, it's a great time to get rid of the clutter before it gets too cold or before it's too dark or whatever, you know? 
it's kind of that sweet spot where the attic isn't a million degrees, where it's not super cold up there, where you get rid of your all the stuff you've been putting away in there. Uh, so think about that. Okay. All right. All right. All right. Let's see. Ooh, Raven says they have a Mars at 23 Virgo. I have Mars at 28 Virgo Raven. And my Saturn's at 21 Virgo on Denebola which is another fixed star in that Deccan that talks about kind of like uh, living outside of the, the norm, which I think I definitely have on some level. My life is not what many people would consider normal. Um, it's almost like I can't be normal. It's, it's like I couldn't if I wanted to. Oh, but that's okay. Uh, I'm reading all of your nice comments. Yeah, everyone's talking about getting into that Virgo cleaning vibe. Totally. So let's take a look at the astrology of this decan of Virgo. Share my screen once again. So this is going to start on the 12th of September. And uh, the first kind of thing that we're experiencing at this decan is Mercury getting ready to head under the beams of the sun on the 15th. So you can see that there is a distance of about 15 degrees between Mercury and the Sun. And again, there's some people will have a different arc of separation, and that's okay. If that works for them, that's great. This is just what I use. I've, I've standardized it, and I take that standardization from Demetra George's work. So take it up with her, too. <laughs> like, um, but again, most of this is oracular. Whatever you attune yourself to, like sort of the radio signal, that's the way the divine's going to speak to you within reason. I mean, you can't do just whatever the hell you want. Some people can and can get away with that. There, there are chaos magicians out there that just are just like, I just do whatever I want. It works. And if that works for you, that's fine. That's, that's not where I'm at. But, but I do think that there is some flexibility. And the divine is going to meet us where we're at. And I think that... Um, there are some immutable laws of nature and of the universe that we can't necessarily change, but there's, there's others where, where we've, when we get um, attuned to a certain frequency, we're going to see it more. And I, that's definitely true. And I've seen that with, with divination as well. I'll notice things. When we, when we learn more about something, we notice it in a different way. Okay. So this, this Mercury moving under this, the beams of the sun is, is like the, the, the uh, medieval astrologers likened it to a, a person who is taking to their sickbed. It's like an old person that's succumbing to disease or, or to illness or to fatigue, and they're tired, and they're, they're taking a rest. They're laying down, and they're getting ready to, to go into the furnace of the heart of the sun for a rebirth, whether it's death and rebirth or however you want to see it, um, whether it's healing from the illness. That could be another thing. So there is something going on where, where we might feel some extra fatigue. We may feel some mental fatigue around this period of time. Um, we may be really you know, not wanting to express ourselves as externally or as extrovertedly. We may be retreating from social things as well. I know the very beginning of Virgo season, everyone's running around like chickens with their heads cut off. They've got school. They've got new responsibilities. They've got all these things. They're meeting with new people. There's a lot of communication. There's a lot of new systems going in and every once in a while that can get really exhausting and you're like man it's okay to take a time out you know you're done you're done with the maybe you've gotten past the the initial burst of that energy 
and now it's time to to go and read a book right so that's going to be what i could see with this uh you know this is again this is called the heliacal evening set okay we've got the heliacal morning rise when you see hermes or mercury rising before the sun at dawn here we call it the heliacal evening set and i'll show you this because i think this is pretty cool if you're following along on the video i'm going to move the time here and i'm going to show you that as we go into the evening hours like here is sunset right so before mercury was within 15 degrees of the sun you could see literally see mercury in the western sky uh, visibly and now when it's made its heliacal set it is not visible when the sun goes down and the ancients saw mercury as like a deceiver a trickster it, it came and went it, it it comes and goes much more often than the other planets so they were saying, oh, well, Hermes is gone and we can't see him anymore. He must be in the underworld. So that is a really neat way of thinking about this. There's always, it's always connected to the myth. And the myth is always connected to, I think, to observation of the natural phenomenon. And that's something that was pointed out uh, to me in a book called Hamlet's Mill. Um, and there's another uh, author out there that really focuses on, on this as well. I believe his name is David Warner who has a lot of books on fixed stars that, that really talks a lot about myth being connected with observation of the sky. So go internal, get ready to have a renewal in the heart of the sun at the end of the month. Don't force mercurial things. Um, you may have to take your time. You may have to really examine things. You may have to really sit with something for a while before you take an action on it. Okay. All right. I'm looking through the chat. We've got more great, great comments here. People are talking about all the deep cleaning of their house <laughs> as the sun ingressed into Virgo. Um, let's see. Do, 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 day. Lisa says, it all works. In my experience, it helps to tune in to one thing at, the, at a time. Too many competing symbols cloud the oracle. Yeah, I agree with that. I tend to be a little bit of a, you know, use too many symbols type of person. And it, it does, it does, it is good to sit with something. Um, you're right. But again, like I used to be a little bit more process judgment, judgmental of a process. And this, this is natural to happen when you start studying astrology and you, you find what you think is a new truth. And for me, the transition from studying modern astrology to like finding Demetra George's work and studying traditional astrology was like, oh, here's the real astrology, quote unquote. And that's a natural impulse. I don't think it's necessarily true. I think it's more like here is a new lens to look at the divine through. And I like traditional astrology because I feel like there's a, a little bit more mm, rationale and, and I can, I know there's more reasons behind it because a lot of it, it's just more puzzle pieces. It's not that everything that came before it, like in, in, 20th century modern astrology just doesn't work anymore. It just means that, hey, we didn't have the complete picture. And, and by studying traditional astrology, we're, we're filling in some gaps. And I think that's really fun and really cool. And it, it definitely uh, it's helped me enrich my understanding. And as I went further into studying traditional astrology, I 
circled back to some of those modern techniques and said, you know, wow, I cut those out for a while to, to understand the previous system and then started adding things back in. And, you know, it works better that way, I think. <laughs> so, uh, all right. So friends, that's Mercury in the psychopomp phase, taking us into the underworld to under the under the world to find something that's been hidden from us, um, to really get a realization at the Kazemi of something that we've maybe deeply buried potentially in our relationships about fairness and equality, and really have those tough conversations, I think, behind the scenes with people that you care about and try to compromise. I think that's really important. Don't get too fixated on your own perspective. Again, don't deny your own perspective, but don't say my way or the highway. That's not what this time period is, is really about. All right. Chris says, it's like being a musician. One style isn't the right style, just another way to make music. Yes, exactly. There's different genres, right? But there is something that works best for each musician and perhaps each song even. 100%, my friend. 100%. Uh, and Lisa says, yes, traditional astrology agrees with my Saturnian sensibilities. Well, I agree, Lisa. But one funny little side note, and then I'll keep moving here. I, I went from a Jupiter um, L1 zodiacal releasing time lord from spirit when I was doing music and studying modern astrology and all these things. And I shifted to a Saturnian one, <laughs> really, almost within a year of my L1 time lord shifting. So I was like, of course, I'm going to go back and study the roots and the foundations of things, because Saturn is saying, here, <laughs> here's all this stuff to deal with. Um, so I, I just, th that's funny to me. I, I feel like I became a much more Saturnian person um, when that shift happened. And it's, it's I don't regret it. it. It's a little bit lonelier. Um, but I, there's parts of it that I really enjoy. I got a lot more responsibility when it happened too. So it, there's, there's different phases of life, you know? Um, let's keep flowing with our forecast. Let's talk about the 16th because on the 16th, first of all, the moon moves out of bounds for another four days. So remember I said that there was some emotions that are going to be going to extremes. Our bodies may be a little bit agitated maybe potentially by overthinking some things, because check this out. We have the moon making an application to Mars and Gemini. So we may be feeling a little frazzled by our options uh, around this period of time, September the 16th. And we also are going to be seeing at that time, Venus making an exact square to Mars. So we talked about that when, when Venus was moving into Virgo, but now we have the perfection of that energy. Perhaps we have a little bit of perfectionism, divine disgust, whatever it is in our relationships and places where we're trying to create harmony. We may be feeling a little bit lonely. That's one of the things that has come up for me a lot with the nine of pentacles is we're working so hard that we're just isolated. And there may be a real conflict with our desire to go off into solitude, to do hard work and the, the, things that are required of us by Mars being in Gemini. That second decan of Gemini is related to the Nine of Swords card. And in it, you see a figure that is uh, awake at night, having a nightmare, you know, like, like the, really the, the options are weighing on them. They, they can see all the different possibilities and they're like, oh my God, there's so many things. I relate to this position because I have Venus in this decan. And I, you know, 
You try to be friends with as many people as possible. And sometimes those friend group groups conflict. And sometimes it's hard to get consensus with everyone. I, I do my best to find the common denominators in people. And I try to do that on this channel, but it, it isn't always possible. And sometimes you have to uh, figure out how to navigate those waters. And I think that that's one of the things that we're going to be experiencing here too. Some anxiety in our relationships, some anxiety uh, with our projects where we are maybe wanting to go off on our own, but we have social commitments. So again, take it easy. You don't have to have everything done all at once. You don't have to say yes to every social invitation. Um, that's something that I've learned. That, that, that was actually one of the benefits of the pandemic for me was a lot of times people would invite me to stuff that I didn't really want to go to because I was like, Meh, I would rather be home studying or playing my guitar or reading a book or doing some work. And now I have a built in excuse like, oh, it's not safe for me to do that. <laughs> like, and that may be changing, I hope a little bit. Um, but uh, yeah, it's okay to say no to a social engagement. It's okay to say yes too. If you're feeling lonely and you want to say yes and you do it in a safe manner, I think we all need people every once in a while. There's many different ways to connect though. One great way is through uh, doing guided group study at the end of September with uh, our fantastic community here studying Demetri George's book. We could connect with one another, see each other's faces every few weeks, have a good discussion in the Discord group, fill out the form to let me know what time would work best for you. <laughs> end, of, end of advertisement. Okay. All right. So that's what's going on on the 16th. That's actually one of our big days in, in astrology. There's a couple other things I want to point out specifically about that day. Uh, in addition to the Venus-Mars square, we're also going to be seeing the sun making an opposition to Neptune. Okay, So here's the sun-Neptune opposition, and Venus is going to be trining the north node. Okay. So in addition to some conflict between solitude, sociability, expanding options versus cutting them down, we're also seeing the sun bringing us an awareness of what we need to do to pass on a legacy. We may be becoming aware of something that is decaying that we want to preserve against decay. Uh, we may be aware of a body, bodily issue that is challenging, but it's, it's not clear what the solution is yet because the sun is making an opposition to neptune neptune's bringing in all sorts of illusion it's 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 making things cloudy and fuzzy we want clarity we want to be able to know what to do and we may not completely have that yet with the sun opposite neptune we may be acting with uh a little bit of information that isn't quite accurate so I would really be careful with that. Try not to let your imagination run too wild. Try not to sacrifice unnecessarily for preservation and for the legacy that you want to pass on. The, the third decade of Pisces is Mars ruled, and it's really about what are you, what crusade are you willing to go on to create that Ten of Cups energy, which is like the happy family at the end of the rainbow. And you can go to emotional extremes doing that. There's a daimon with that decan called Elpis, which translates to hope. But the opposite of that is morose, which is doom. So we may f vacillate between hope and doom around this period of time. 
So just be careful about your self-image. Don't, don't get too critical of yourself. Don't see yourself in a light that is either too exalted or too detrimental. And I think that if you take the, the middle path, right? That's what Mercury is asking us to do. Have balance, practice temperance. I think that if you do that, uh, don't get too high or too low. You'll navigate these waters fairly well. Okay. Yeah, and Castle Rock is pointing out Venus in her decadent Virgo is more comfortable with solitude. I agree with that. Venus has a, a special, you know, decanic power in that decan. She can create beauty through hard work. She can create a sense of harmony without other people, you know, like solo adventures. So you don't have to, to be with others to like appease uh, and, and to create some kind of beauty or harmony or grace. So that's a, that's a great point. Um, Future Past says, I'm definitely prioritizing daily meditation this month with all the tension from hectic Mars and Mercury Neptune. Yes, that is great advice. You know, being able to get some time to yourself to get quiet, to quiet the mind, just to actually just be quiet. Um, that was the animal I pulled for the day uh, was the lynx, which was saying that sometimes it's okay to just be quiet and share ancient wisdom. You got to be careful not to disclose too many things and all of that. So, you know, the lynx is about being worthy of trust that people have entrusted within you. So I think that this is something where, uh, you know, even though the chickadee is our animal, you have to be careful about what you say, how you say it. And sometimes silence is okay. And some people think that they have to fill space all the time. I used to be really guilty of this. And, you know, I, I still do this on my podcast. I fill three hours of space. <laughs> here. Like, but like, like for, for example, last week with, with uh, the wonderful teacher, Susan Chang, I just sat back. I just like, I just asked her questions, let her go. And just, I created that oracular space for her genius to come out. And sometimes that's what we do. We, we can facilitate rather than having to fill space. And that, that's something I think is an is a underutilized skill in our society. Chris is asking, do you use an animal oracle deck? I've been considering getting one, but I'm trying to be cautious. Christopher, I have an oracle animal deck called Medicine Cards by Jamie Sam, and I don't remember the other author. That was the first animal deck that I had, and I bought that when I was about 20. This was 20 years ago-ish, you know, give or take some change. Um, so that's one animal deck that I, I like. Um, I have been using a, a book by uh, Melissa Alvarez called Animal Frequency as my oracle. I will spin through that and pick one. I like that one because it has domestic, wild, and mythological animals, which is really cool. Um, and it's really a version of Ted Andrews' Animal Speak, which, I, which was a great resource for many, many, many years. Animal Frequency is just building on that work. And, and like I said, it has a little bit more diversity of animals. So that's why I use that one. But that's how I'm pulling the animals for the day or for the lunation or the month or whatnot. So I just kind of like randomly be like, what's the animal for this? And I pick it, you know, <laughs> just and sometimes I'll hear stop <laughs> and I'll stop and I'll open it up. And that's what I've got. Okay. All right. Where are we at? So we've we're on the 16th. We've got We've talked about Venus square Mars. The moon is out of bounds that day. Sun is opposite Neptune. Venus is trying the north node. I mean, 
This is something I don't work with a ton. I do look at the planets at the squares of the nodes, which is called the bends as a significant turning point. The, the nodes are not necessarily a visible point, so aspects to them are a little iffy, but this might be something where there may be harmony between that process that we started at the bending of the nodes when, when Venus was at the bending, the south bending of the nodes moving away from Taurus to Scorpio. This might be a point in time where we're starting to get comfortable with that transition uh, of releasing maybe relationships that are too deeply enmeshed. That's what I talked about last month with this, with Venus at the bends, is we're moving towards releasing deeply emotionally bonded relationships. And I, I've gone through that firsthand with having a kid living in my house to like ha sending her out into college, into the world and changing our relationship. It's naturally receding and that's okay. That's just natural part of growing up and, and relationships change. So we may be seeing with Venus trying the North node here that we're starting to get comfortable with that. And we're starting to feel what type of relationship we want to have or that is more a reflection of now versus the past, uh, which I think is important. When we come to terms with the now, versus the way something used to be, that's when we're not creating, you know, suffering through resistance, right? That's when we're in alignment with the Tao and the divine plan and flowing with our life rather than trying to swim upstream. Okay, so when we get to the 17th, the next day, that is when we have our last quarter moon square. So you can see that now we have the sun at 25 degrees of Virgo, and we have the moon at 25 degrees of Gemini. Now, I will also point out that in the previous days, the sun was hanging out over that fixed star, Alkis, that I talked about, 23 degrees of Virgo, which is, is really about passing on the legacy. That's the sacred cup of Apollo that, that Corvus the crow was tasked with filling, and he failed to do so. It, he had a job. He had to pass on that legacy. And he, he blamed the Hydra for his failings and, 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 and all sorts of other things ensued. But this, this may be where we're really thinking about, hey, it's time to pass on something material to the next generation. It's time to release the product that we've been working on. It's time to release whatever. It's time to get down to it. And with the moon at, at 25 degrees of Gemini, this is a decan where it's related to the Ten of Swords, where we see a figure that has ten swords in his back the, the, but we do see a dusk that is rising to dawn. So we've experienced some kind of defeat. We have to let go of some of the options. We have to breathe life into that which is most important to us so that that can live while simultaneously releasing the other options. Maybe we've been in an argument with someone and we finally just give, you know, we don't give up, but we say, let's just let this go. Let's let bygones be bygones, right? Uh, you can't continue to, to, to hold the conflicting duality anymore. And that may be a, a challenge that we have when we're trying to get our, our legacy out into the world, our material goods out, our, our passing on our inheritance of, of wisdom or otherwise. The thing that I will say about this is that I always tell people with Virgo, and especially Virgo 3, essence is what is eternal. The form changes. If you're so fixated on the form that you, you know, you, you go to war over form, we do this as human beings. We go to war over forms all the time. When if we would just release our attachment to form and get come into alignment with spiritual essence, 
we would have a lot less war, conflict, all of those things. So I want you to ask yourself at this period of time, where can we be flexible in the form that our wisdom, that our divine light takes so that we can pass on the essence of that wisdom instead of like, you know, blocking that sharing by being so meticulous about how. So you want to release the how and get more into alignment with the why. Okay. I think know your why is a great, is a great way to, to deal with this energy here. Okay. So that's our last quarter square where, where we may be having a shift in our consciousness. So this is a crisis of consciousness, right? This is where we say, ah, you know, maybe I'm going to see this a different way. Maybe I'm going to release this old belief system that allows me to consolidate my wisdom from this cycle to prepare for the next cycle. So you're releasing all of the the machinations about passing on your legacy to prepare yourself for a new moon in Libra that's going to happen at the end of the month. So this, this is about tying up loose ends in your own personal projects so that you can unite with others, right? So that you can be, be more social at that new moon, right? And have partnership and all of those things. Okay. So that is the 17th. When we get to the 18th, and again, this is true for what's happening over time here, because we're going to feel this applying as we move forward. Uh, these aspects that I'm talking about, many of them are building for two or three days, okay? So here's this next aspect that we have. And again, it's a, it's a, a revisiting of one we had at the very beginning of the month, the opposition between Mercury and Jupiter. So now because we had Mercury retrograde uh, in Libra, we're going to see this once again. So whatever conflicts or challenges that may have come up on the 2nd of November, when Mercury and Jupiter were opposing at six degrees of their respective signs, Libra and, and Aries, we're probably revisiting that. Uh, around the 18th of September. Uh, so if you failed the, uh, the test of I versus we, you have another chance to, to figure it out. Um, if you became estranged for any reason in a partnership because you were you know, taking your, only your own needs into account, or, or maybe you were giving up your own needs and you start to feel the resentment <laughs> like of that, that's, that's also true. Here's an opportunity to reevaluate and try to, to get it right this time. Okay, so that is the 18th. The other thing that's happening on the 18th, which is, I think, pretty helpful, is that the sun is going to be making a trine to Pluto. So this is going to be able to bring up all of the junk that we've repressed. So if we, if we failed our task when Mercury and Jupiter were opposing each other in the beginning of the month, now we've got to deal with all the fallout of that that's been shoved underground. Uh, a lot of times during Virgo season, we don't want to have the big emotional discussion because we're like, oh, I got too much stuff to do. I, I'm too busy. Let's you know, put that on the back burner. I don't have time to, for your drama. <laughs> you know, right? <laughs> I've done this in my life sometimes where I'm just like, eh, just, I, I got too much stuff to do. <laughs> Let's talk about that later. But here, there might be time to deal with it. It may be time to deal with Anywhere where our systems got gunked up, where we repressed something, in, you know, and we are shining the light of awareness on the power structures in our life here as well, and for the, for the good. Okay, so this is where we can really like let go of the the processes that weren't working, 
uh, pass on that sacred wisdom. Um, we can take responsibility for our actions, hopefully with Pluto in the third decan of Capricorn. We can maybe transform our relationship with authority, whether it's our own or others during this period of time as well. Um, we can maybe divvy up responsibilities a little bit differently. This is, I'm thinking about this now. You, someone was talking about making a meal plan. Well, the conversation in our house now, because I gave my daughter some of the, the most disgusting tasks because she just didn't have anything to do in the summer. And I just like taking out the compost. So, like for me with having a Virgo stellium, smell, the smell of compost is so revolting that it's a very difficult task for me to do. So I, I, I delegated that, but now there's no, uh, basically teenage labor to do all of these things so my the chore count in the house doubled for us as a just a, a two-person partnership so we're having a, a discussion or a negotiation about who is going to be responsible for what moving forward and and we'll figure it out we're adults but th maybe there's something here where we have we have to review some of those things that we'll figure out it within the next week or two uh if it's working or not this is where you say it did it work is is our agreement working or do we have to reevaluate it because the, the last thing you want to do is let resentments build up to where you it just completely disrupts your harmony it's okay to shine some light on something that's not working if you do it in a way that is um allowing for grace allowing for change allowing the other person not to be perfect and to say yeah we tried this it it did some of the some of this worked some of it didn't let's try something else now i think that's the vibe i'm feeling for for the 18th of September with the, uh, the Sun Pluto trine and the Mercury Jupiter retrograde opposition. Let's move forward to the 20th and we're getting closer to our fall equinox. We're getting closer to the very end of Virgo here. And we get to September the 20th and we see Venus making a trine to Uranus. Okay. So here is the trine at about 19 degrees of Virgo and 18 or 19 degrees Virgo and 18 degrees of Taurus with uh, Uranus here. So let me hydrate for a minute. Okay, I'm gonna get a little drink of water. I'm gonna get a little protein shake here. Thank you for your patience. When we go on these epic journeys, sometimes we have to stay uh, blood sugar level, keeping it high so the brain continues to work. All right, <laughs> we're fueled up. Let's talk about this Venus Uranus uh, trine. So again, this is something where maybe we have a breakthrough. Okay, like like what I'm seeing is that we had the square between mars and venus an overcoming square from mars where something was pointed out to us maybe the way that we're splitting our attention just isn't working and now after we have that realization that friction we're able to take that information okay sometimes an argument is just information and clarity uh this is something that i think that is toxic about avoiding conflict sometimes uh you have to fight fair but it's you can't always avoid conflict Conflict gives us new information. And once we get that information, we can take it and, and enact a new plan. We can be innovative with the way that we 
either divvy up our responsibilities or the way that we utilize our resources. And that's what I see with Venus making a trine with Uranus here in those two earth signs is we may have to be innovative with the way that we, we do our business, with the way that we uh, organize our lives, the way that we distribute our resources and things of that nature. So that's, what we, that's the last aspect that we have with the sun moving through Virgo 3. So that is going to get us to our equinox. So I'm going to stop my share here. How is everybody doing? Y'all doing all right out there? I'll take this opportunity between decans to say, hey, please hit that like button. Share it with your friends. Leave me a comment if you're watching this after the fact. I always love hearing uh, from people who are watching after the fact as well. Uh, if you want to subscribe to my newsletter, that's a great way to stay in touch for these future live streams. Um, please fill out the Google form if you're interested in doing our guided group study slash book club on Demetra George's book, uh, Astrology, Ancient Astrology and Theory and Practice, Volume 2. We're going to have a really great group. Uh, that's probably going to start at the end of the month around this period of time. So this is when, if, if we're getting this all going, we're actually going to meet up at that new moon in Libra, right? Which is in my third house of like <laughs> group learning together, which is very cool. All right, I'm looking through the chat here. Chris says they were using random animals on Google. You know what? That's totally valid. Like, see, this is the thing. People think that they have, this is the, when I'm talking about getting attached to form versus essence, the essence is how can you get a randomized symbol? It doesn't matter whether it's through cards, a book, or a random animal on the internet. Sometimes I'll see an animal on TV. I don't have to see it out my bedroom window for it to be an oracular message. So that's, that's something where we're, the essence can come to you in so many different forms. And if we're only saying that a message can come to us in this form, we're going to miss out on a lot of messages. So that, that being said, there's another thing that you can do where you prime the pump, where you say, I'm going to allow the oracular message to come to me through this channel. And then when it comes to you, you're going to say, yep, there it is. Or if it doesn't, nope, there it isn't. So there, it can go a little bit both ways. So you can be open to different forms of divination, or you can say, these are the parameters and the limits that I've set to receive an oracular message. And if it doesn't come in this form, it is not an oracular message for me. I think both are valid. Okay. Um, Castle Rock is talking about contra antitious stuff towards the end of the month with Sun, Mercury, Venus, etc. is interesting. Let's look. So you're talking about the relationship between Mercury and the Sun and Venus. So the secret conjunction that we talk about with Contra Antitia with, uh, in this case, I think it's on planets on either side of daylight of the equinox. I think I'm remembering Antitia correctly. Correct me if I'm wrong. Um, yeah, that could be interesting. Behind the scenes conversations happening. Uh, you know, relationship conversations that are behind the, you know, curtain on some level. Um, that's the way I always see Antitia and Contra Antitia is like these secret relationships between things, these, these uh, secret meetings. I'll have to do some more research on that. That's not something I use all the time. Um, I like the way that uh, Project Hindsight does stuff with that. Um, and again, I'll have to brush up on it once again. And I'm, I'm saying that because there is, 
one version of that where they talk about hearing versus seeing. So I can't remember which one it is, but one of them is talking about hearing each other versus seeing each other in secret. So maybe you can fill me in on that um, if that's something that you've come across more uh, in depth. Um, but that's something to think about. Okay, let me see what else I got here. Raven says, putting printing away and enjoying listening to our epic journey through September. Yay! September. I don't remember any of the words to this song. <laughs> it's just like a jumble among. But they basically all go, oh, wow. Something you remember. Oh, wow. We're going through September. We just got to make it up, right? <laughs> Earth, wind, and fire. Uh, fun stuff. All right. Um, yeah, Castle Rock says, planets on either east side of the equinox must add up to 30. Yes, that's right. can never remember which one, Contra Antitia or Antitia. Yeah, we'll do that. Maybe we'll do a, uh, a little video of that on, on those techniques just to clarify. I'll go do my homework, get totally clear on that. And then we'll um, we'll have a good talk on it. Um, Future Pass says, yesterday I unexpectedly saw a mountain lion for the first time. Wow. Something I should look up. Where are you located, Future Pass? Are you in California, Denver, somewhere mountainous region? Um, that is actually uh, one of my main animal guides. Like that is that is the one I drew when I use the animal spread that you're only supposed to do once in your life with animal medicine cards, that was my animal of the East, was the mountain lion. So I can just tell you real quick that in that system, in those cards, mountain lion is about taking responsibility, but without insisting that others follow. So it's kind of like you do you, you be you, you, you practice leadership, you become able to respond and take care of others but without forcing it. And this is something as a Leo rising, I've had to learn that I sometimes have my, I'll roar at other people like, you should do this, you should do that. And like, that gets me in trouble. <laughs> so it's like, I can just say, this is what I'm doing and you can choose to do it. And if it's not cool for you, that's all right. And, and I've had to, parenting is a good lesson in that. Um, but yeah, oh, the mountains of upstate New York. Wow, interesting. Uh, so yeah, think about that. Check out Ted Andrews, Animal Speak, uh, Melissa Alvarez's Animal Frequency, Jamie, Jamie Sams, and another author that is slipping my mind's Medicine Cards. There's a book that goes through with that too. And if other, other folks have, you know, different source texts for um, utilizing animals as oracles, I'm really interested in that. So uh, hit me up in the chat uh, for that. Okay, let's talk about Libra and the fall equinox. We are at about two hours in-ish, and we're heading around third, third base, heading for home here. Okay. Everybody doing okay? Still hanging with me? Still good? Uh, Lisa is asking, how can I find the meaning of a white horse that swims in the water like a dolphin? <laughs> I had a dream the one helped me out of a swamp. Oh boy! All I can think of is like that—that that, uh, never-ending story where that <laughs> that horse was that traumatic movie where the horse like fucking drowned in the swamp, <laughs> like traumatized every single child of a certain age in the '80s, <laughs> like Atrax or whatever the hell that horse's name was. What was that horse's name? 
you had to watch this the slow death of this horse um but this horse in your case uh helped you out without dwelling on it too much lisa the, the the first thing that comes into my mind is a horse represents in all those systems i was talking about freedom and independence so when and, and the the white is the color of spirit and of the divine so really getting in touch with your own freedom your own sense of like independence uh and being able to navigate emotional waters. Water is related to emotion. Um, it's related to cosmic substance that connects us rather than divides us. So I think that on that level, uh, paying attention to your own need for freedom may help you to, to not get stuck in the emotional waters of others, right? So that's my re oracular reading for you on that. Artax, yeah, that was the horse, thank you. I've never forgotten that film. Yeah, I was scared shitless of the what was it? The never was that what it was called or the the I can't remember what the hell it was called. Um, I tried to put it out of my mind. Uh, it was like that that wolf that that you could only see the eyes and it was super scary. Um, I used to think it lived in my clothes hamper and I'd be like, turn the light on in the hallway. The 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 never, whatever it is, the, the darkness is in, in my hamper. That wolf is there. It was very traumatic. Um, but at the end of it, you get to ride a, you get to ride a fluffy pink dragon dog up <laughs> into the sky. The nothing, that's what it was, not the, the nothing. <laughs> Sorry, they're going down every lane here. Oh, man, that gave me a lot of nightmares. That, that movie was, uh, that was a rough one when you were like six. <laughs> but anyway. Okay, friends, let's keep going. Let's talk Libra. So the card that we see at Libra season is the two of swords. Now this one, this card is a moon ruled Deccan uh, in a Venus ruled sign. So let's think moon and Libra if we're trying to, to parse that out. Um, and this is the point in the time of the year where the, uh, the day and the night are equal. This is where we get a lot of our themes of balance in Libra. The day and the night are equal. And the night starts to get longer than the day in the northern hemisphere. It starts, the, the power of the night starts to ascend. So we also uh, have a correlation with Libra and the fourth house in the Thema Mundi, that which is underneath the earth. And in my Libra Deccans webinar, available at a fine store near you at spencermichaud.com, I talked a lot about Mott and the judgment of Mott and weighing the heart against the feather. Where we enter into the underworld, we've shuffled off our mortal coil, and now we have to say, review our life and say, well, what, did we do what we needed to do? Did we, what are we carrying with us? Um, did we act in alignment with divine justice or not? Do we need to go back and do it over again, or do we get to spend eternity in the good, good place, or whatever it is that you believe or the Egyptians believed. Um, so I think that what we see in this Deccan specifically is we become aware of the other. T. Susan Chang, in her book, Tarot, Tarot Deciphered, which I really like, really great book, really does a great job of contextualizing all the numbers in the tarot. And she says that the twos, or the Sephira of Chokhmah, 
This is an awareness, Sephira. It's a flash of inspiration. So we're seeking the balance of the other in twos. We're having an awareness of, of the other. So like in the wands, we're, we're aware of something that we want to conquer, a, a world or a partner or something like that. Like it's the Aries Deccan. That's cards called Dominion. Uh, in the cups, we have a, a person we want to cherish, right? With the, the, an, a partner, that card is called love. Uh, in the swords, which is what we have here, uh, we have two ideas in equilibrium that we're trying to bring into balance, two perspectives. And of course, in the pentacles, we have two parties that are coming together to exchange goods, like in commerce, potentially in Capricorn. So here we have two different ideas that we're dealing with, two different perspectives. And we may feel a little bit off balance when we're hearing the other perspective at first. This is the thing that I think people mistake Libras as being balanced all the time. Oftentimes they're out of balance and part of their job and the hard work is bringing things back into equilibrium. So don't be surprised if when we hit Libra season, you are aware of an imbalance in your life that will then necessitate compromise, that then will necessitate temperance, that then will necessitate a little bit of this, a little bit of equal, okay? Equality. There may be something in the news that doesn't seem fair. Um, there may be, I know that one of the things that we've been seeing in the news cycle is um, issues over student loan forgiveness. Some people are super happy about it, myself included, because I think it's a good thing and I stand to benefit from it because um, I still have student loans that I've been paying off for 20 years. <laughs> like, but there's some other people that have paid off their student loans and they're like, well, why is it fair that this person gets, gets a quote unquote a handout and things like that. And we, we could have an argument on this and I'm not trying to start an argument. There's many different perspectives, but that's something that potentially we could see as like, you know, people discussing the virtues of the fairness in regards to that. And people will have different opinions on what is or is not fair. Um, so this, this Deccan is called Peace and Peace Restored in Book T and Book of Toth, respectively. Austin Coppock calls it a blindfold and a sword, because we see here the blindfolded uh, Lady Justice, or Mott, and the swords, of course, as a threshold guardian, right? The threshold to the, the new world or whatever the world is. T. Susan Chang calls it blind equilibrium. Okay. That Sephira that we were talking about is Hokmah wisdom, flash of insight. So this is a, you, you're getting a new idea. You're like, whoa, I never thought of it that way before. And it may be from someone putting yourself in someone else's shoes. Just because it, something doesn't benefit you doesn't mean it isn't beneficial. I've, I've gone through this now as a, a, a new homeowner where we had to vote on uh, taxes that would be increased on our home that would benefit the public transit system that I mostly don't use. But at the end of the day, I believe in public transit and I believe it will benefit a lot of people. And even though I might have to pay a little bit more, it's something that I believe in that I think will benefit people. And that's what a society is all about. Sometimes we pay into a system that, that benefits other people and that's okay. And sometimes the shoe will be on the other foot and people will be paying into something that benefits us. It, it, it goes both ways. And I think that that's something to consider as we move forward into election season and get closer to that, I'm just, I really dislike election season. I'm glad that we have elections. I will vote, I do vote, and you should vote so that we can continue to vote. Voting is super important. 
I guess the thing that it's, it's a little exhausting to me because the, the, the conflicts get louder. People are shouting their perspective from the, the rooftop and it feels divisive to me. Like, so I, I, I'm a person that likes to bring people together and election season always seems to split people apart. Um, but it's necessary. And sometimes having a democratic voice is not everybody has that. So we have to embrace it and we have to go through that process and try to keep our sanity within it. And I think we're going to be seeing that as we move into Libra season as well. Now that daimon, the Uranies, this is like our righteous indignation. The Uranies are saying, hey, this is not fair. I'm angry about it. <laughs> so if there's something that comes up, take a deep breath. You, you, you don't always have to be the arbiter of justice. This is something I've learned. Like sometimes when I was younger and I saw an injustice and I said, I have to punish that person. There may be, that, and that, that may be an impulse when we move into the first decade of Libra is that we want to punish someone that we feel is cre creating an injustice. And I would say, be careful of that impulse. Um, sometimes it's necessary. Sometimes it is the right thing to do. Other times it absolutely is not. I would just say, don't have a quick trigger. Um, try to get all the information first. Try to see things from multiple viewpoints first before you try to be the arbiter of divine justice. And sometimes it's not even your job to do that, okay? Okay, so awareness of others, righteous indignation, fighting for the underdog. Sometimes when we, when we do get aware of an injustice, then there is action that we do need to take to restore that balance. And sometimes it is our job. So knowing the difference between when to get involved and when not to is really important around this season. Uh, exposures of inequality. Whenever the sun moves into a decan, we get a flash of insight and clarity. That's what the sun does. It shines a giant spotlight on some area of life. So we will be feeling as a global community the issues of fairness around this period of time. So whistleblowing is something that happens. Ethical breaches. So we may see someone blowing the whistle on something that is not fair and not equal. And then we have to do the hard work of bringing it into balance. Okay, so let's take a look at the chart. Okay. Oh, Th Thabo is here. Hello, that's a new name. Nice to see you, Thabo, Thabo. Sorry if I'm saying it incorrectly. Thabo Egon. Astrology, Hermeticism, and Theology to my awakening. Hope I find my feet through September 4th. Well, I hope you do too, friend. And I'm glad that you're here with us. And thank you for joining us here live today. It's always nice to see new voices in the chat. I always encourage people to, to, to show their uh, wisdom, to contribute to the chat. It's always nice to hear everybody's perspective. It's a safe space. Um, please be kind to one another too. Like I have a quick trigger. If, if, uh, if I see people acting like assholes to one another, I'm just going to boot you out. Like that's kind of, I just have a zero tolerance policy with all that. So if you want to participate in chat, be kind to one another. And I very rarely have that happen. You guys are always so amazing and there's so much love here. So it very rarely happens, but public service announcement, <laughs> don't be a dick on my channel. <laughs> like, all right, let's see. We are moving into the fall equinox on the 22nd. All right. So you can see now the sun is ingressing into Libra. And I'll get the exact moment. So here is our fall equinox, our fall ingress chart that you, for Ypsilanti, Michigan. You can do it for your, your time. Uh, but you can see on the fall ingress, man, Mercury is really close to 
being, uh, you know, in the heart of the sun here. Um, in some systems, it already is. So this is a super powerful uh, signature at a super powerful time in, in Equinox. So there's going to be really important messages coming out about fairness, equality, and justice around this period of time. And it's probably going to be something we're going to be dealing with for the next few months, you know, until the, the winter solstice and, and possibly beyond. It's going to be something that, you know, dealing with an injustice potentially. Okay. So, of course, this 22nd and 23rd, we're going to see what's called the, the Kazemi of Mercury, Mercury in the heart of the sun, uh, becoming renewed. Some systems use uh, one degree of separation for the Kazemi moment. Others use 17 degrees. Um, but here we're seeing it's close enough that uh, we're going we're gonna to apply that to the fall equinox. So if we go forward to the exact Kazemi here, uh, actually, let's just go forward a couple hours here. Because it's really getting into the nitty gritty. Okay. So this is happening... Yeah, it's about about there, okay? About 3 a.m. on the 23rd. This is called the inferior conjunction, okay? That's, that's what happens when Mercury is retrograde and conjoins with the sun. When Mercury is direct, it's called the superior conjunction. So again, this is where Mercury is in the underworld, gaining some wisdom from Hades or from our past, from our inner experience, rather than like maybe from Olympus or the, or the, the upper realms uh, at the superior conjunction, okay? So pay attention on this day because there's going to be some kind of new ideas that are super important that you're going to want to really understand. Um, as we, what, the other thing we're seeing around this period of time, and Castle Rock's pointing out, look how close the Uranus-Saturn square is, closest it will be for many, many years. That's a good point. It's a great, great catch. So two things that we'll look at here. First of all, Venus is perfecting an opposition to Neptune. And as my good friend is pointing out, we're getting the closest we're going to see Saturn and Uranus coming together. Now we've been dealing with that for the last couple years. It's not going to perfect completely though. It, there's that, it's going to go through something called a refrenation where it gets really close and then one of the planets changes direction and just doesn't, it just never perfects. So there may be some conflict that we're dealing with here, some injustice that we get so close to like the revolutionary, you know, shakeup, but it just doesn't happen or like something shifts our energy. So that's something to consider as well. We, we may be really close to crossing over the river of consciousness that we see Saturn in the second deck second decade of Aquarius, um, and, and utilizing our resources, but it just doesn't quite perfect, okay? In addition, we're going to be, and that conflict was really about the old versus the new, the established order versus dealing with our, our, our material resources in a new way. So there's, there's been conflicts with that for quite some time, we, and we did have a passage of a, uh, a, a bill that was bringing things uh, more more climate friendly things into existence, but there was all sorts of compromises from the old order and like the, the, the coal industry and all this bullshit, but, uh, but we did get something done. So there it's, it's not perfect, but it's better than nothing, I guess. Um, people have different opinions on that. Um, but, it, but in addition to that aspect, that's almost, but not quite perfecting, 
Venus is going to be making an opposition to Neptune. This is the same opposition that we saw the sun go through a few days or weeks earlier. Okay. So again, this is where we're going to, this is that decan where we're maybe really getting hyper-focused on preserving beauty, preserving a relationship, preserving our material physical form and going to whatever means necessary. Be really careful with this opposition with Neptune because you could be thinking that what you're doing is is uh, healthy, but it might be an illusion. Like, like I was telling you about all my concoctions I was doing about you know preserving my hair <laughs> earlier in the show, and eventually I think that this aspect was perfecting because Venus has been in this was like last year, two years ago, I don't know, and uh, I think when the the aspect shifted i was like what the fuck am i doing this is ridiculous i'm gonna just this is messy this is not worth it i don't want my hair to be greasy all day i don't want my hands to be, my fingernails to be yellow <laughs> like with the turmeric oil uh so whatever you're doing you may be waking up from a kind of weird hyper focused dream after this aspect uh you know starts to separate so, so just be care- be careful with that don't get lost in an illusion trying to preserve something against the ravages of time okay let's see we've got some ch- uh chat stuff going on here um oh no thabo what happened your comment disappeared i thought it was a good comment um jody says yeah look at those two Uranus and Saturn love to spawn. <laughs> um, I don't know what you're referring to. Wrestle? Yeah, they're wrestling. Spar. <laughs> Spar. Spawning and sparring are a little bit different. <laughs> maybe so. They're trying to spawn something, I guess, but not. maybe not quite. Maybe there's a little bit of a divine cock block that happens between those two planets. Uh, Neptune is a stoner. Yeah, and it definitely does alter our state of consciousness for better or for worse. Okay, let's move forward to the 25th. So that's, that's going to be, we're going to be dealing with that in the last, uh, the first days of the fall equinox, kind of dealing with, you know, relationship issues, whether to preserve or let certain parts of it go, getting truth versus illusion um you know dealing with the in the the in with the new out with the old type of issues as well uh and still dealing with mars and gemini like you know causing us to like get really fired up with our speech this is something i'm dreading with election season with mars and gemini and going retrograde right before the election is just people just spouting off opinions without thinking and using words as weapons which as a Venus and Gemini person, it's super painful and stressful and anxiety producing. So I hope that we can all like uh, tap into our higher selves and think before we speak and think if what we're saying is going to bring people together or, or separate them. Okay. All right. Um, so let's look at the 25th of September. And on the 25th, we have our new moon. Happy new moon. Let me, uh, let me get it exact here. So there's the new moon in Libra, the 25th, which is a Sunday. Um, I think that I'm going to be doing my new group on the day after as the moon just begins to separate. So maybe this will be a great time to 
to join up with others and be social and learn some astrology. But the new moon is going to, you know, bring us opportunities for balance, for sociability, uh, for preserving things against the ravages of time. This is this is part of studying traditional astrology that I like. Look at this stack up here. We have uh, Mercury retrograding back into Virgo on the 23rd and meeting up with Venus around this new moon. And, you know, this is a, a something where Venus is going to harmonize our ability to to preserve things against the ravages of time. And what better thing to preserve against time than ancient astrology, right? This is a great way to do this, like, like being able to infuse uh, essence uh, into form in our knowledge and, and being able to learn something practically that, that hopefully by us learning it, we can preserve it. I think that the more people use something and learn about it, the, the more alive it becomes once again. And we can update it for the needs of our modern society and culture, but uh, I think that it's important to understand it in the form that it, it originally came through, um, because then we can update it in a way that is informed by history, rather than just trying to completely reinvent the wheel, which I think is, is where we run into problems sometimes. Okay, yeah, and we're talking about this new moon, Jody says, is off the heels of the Mercury Kazemi. So whatever realization we have, we can, we can again, put it into motion. Uh, we can put it and, and go back and review how we bring things into form on some level. Uh, Mercury, Castle Rock says, Mercury seems to be very shady, all these secret conjunctions. Yeah. Well, Mercury is a trickster, and Mercury does like to hide and, and uh, you know, come in and out of visibility. Um, and you can use that to your advantage. Uh, you can also get caught up in doing too many things behind the scenes. So, it's a balance, right? Sometimes it's important to hide your project away until it's ready to be released. Other times it's important to be visible. So those are things that you're gonna to have to ask yourself around this new moon too. Uh, we do have this new moon that's gonna be in opposition to Jupiter. So this could be another thing where we're really trying to figure out uh, what is fair for us and for others and how do we expand our own personal sovereignty within a relationship. Okay, now the, the, the hexagram that, that are, we have is, is the cauldron moving to number 14, which is, translates to personal sovereignty, like abundance, like being able to steer your own ship on some level. So I do think that that is part of the, the equation here. You know, again, we have to be able to hold paradox and duality. Sometimes we have to make compromises to, to be able to be ourselves. Sometimes we have to defend our right to be to be in a relationship. And astrology teaches us that. And I think that's a beautiful thing. Um, yeah, and we've got people pointing out that Mercury and Venus are combust. Uh, Venus is waking Mercury up or rescuing. Well, I will say that once Mercury moves into um, Virgo, it is has a condition called being in the chariot. So it is protected from the beams of the sun and the combustion. Now, Venus has been under the beams of the sun since, I don't know, since very recently as, as I've been recording this. This was something I talked about in the astrology of August, where Merc Venus went under the beams on the 27th of August at 18 degrees of Leo on its morning set. So that is where it's, it's starting to be harmed by the rays of the sun. So Ven Venus is both in its exile, or I'm sorry, in its, in its fall in Virgo, and under the beams. So it's, I do think that this is a rough time for relationships. 
and that's the the host of this lunation but hear hear me out because this venus whoops is not witnessing this lunation there's a technique that i learned from martine hermes who is a great hellenistic astrologer that says that the exaltation lord sort of takes over responsibility if the domicile lord does not witness and in this case saturn is witnessing the uh is the exaltation lord of libra and witnessing the new moon so i i would say that if you are feeling frustrated with relationship type things lean into saturn in the second decan of aquarius move on that's what that decan says communicate with the people in the the inner in the insiders and the outsiders move on to a new experience you ferry your boat across the river don't get stuck in one philosophical position don't get stuck in one you know i don't know uh physical position it's it's important to be flexible it's important to move on it's important to try to problem solve that decan is all about utilizing our intellect to, to solve problems and to unravel you know situations that seem like they don't have a, a an easy solution and a lot of times when it's saturn's in the mix we have to do things that are hard we have to be mature we have to be responsible we have to say no okay this is a great way to have some personal sovereignty in a relationship is learn your no and where that line is so there may have to be that as well okay 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 looking at all these great comments future past says mercury also has decanic dignity which is a nice boost yes it does in the third decan of, of virgo it is the face ruler for sure so ask a lot of questions uh that's a great way to get consensus future past also says venus will have a rags to riches victory montage when she goes into libra yes do the hard work let go of the old forms that don't serve you and then you will have the beauty of balance and equilibrium right okay love it all right so that's my new moon in libra we of course will have a live stream for that whether it is solo or partnered um i'm just kind of winging it with a lot of these sometimes i'll get a guess sometimes i won't uh it doesn't sound like you all mind whether i'm solo or have a guest so i'm just kind of doing what uh, whatever whim I have for that, for that week. Um, but let's talk about the 27th of September and, and close this thing out. So on the 27th of September, Mercury retrograde will be trining Pluto. So here we see a relationship with Mercury in the late stages of Virgo making a trine to Pluto in Capricorn. So again, this is, these are conversations that we'll have about material systems, about uh, how we delegate responsibility, how we amass wealth and income, what needs to be released back to the earth and what needs to be preserved against the ravages of time. So great, great time at that new moon to ask good questions. Don't make assumptions. Uh, I think that the greatest arrogance and hubris is, hubris is when we think that we know everything and, and that no one else has a valid opinion but our own. And that's, that's a dangerous, dangerous trap and hole to fall down. And, and it can create a lot more problems for yourself. And um, I always am a fan of asking new questions. And there's no shame in it. A lot, a lot of times we, we try to, in this society, we feel like to be a quote-unquote expert in something that we have to know everything. I think that's total garbage. I think people become an expert in something by asking great questions. 
I mean, that's how I've attained whatever mastery I've, I've attained, which I still feel I have a long way to go in my own personal standard. But, it's, but I've gotten some knowledge because I ask the questions and I don't make assumptions. I look at 10 different authors. I don't just take one book and say, that's it. That's the truth. I compare it to other truths, other people's truths, other people's lenses. And then I can make a much more informed opinion by connecting the things that all of them say rather than getting focused on some kind of form that doesn't reflect the essence of that so great time to ask questions uh you mentioned martin hermes using the exalted lord of lunation when domicile lord of lunation is an inversion is there a book blog or etc yes there is um there is a book from project hindsight that's uh oh, what's it called it's something like about techniques and it's the one that you just can't get. It's a little pamphlet that I'm sure that there'll be some literature in that, uh, that Martin Hermes puts on all of his presentations that makes me insanely jealous that he has it and I don't. And I can't find it anywhere. I think there's like a library in Maryland that has it. But I haven't been able to get it yet. Uh, it's like definitions and, and something uh, from Project Hindsight. That's the only book I can think of. Um, you can look at his YouTube channel. Um, I don't remember what the name of it is, but look up Martin Chermy's YouTube channel. And on, on many of his videos are very instructional. Uh, he's, he's great. Um, I have a little bit of a beef with his slides because I just think they have so many, he has so many layers on them. <laughs> like, like he won't go to a new slide. He'll just overlap a bunch of stuff. And I'm like, oh God, <laughs> it drives my Virgo mind crazy. Um, but the I, I have to release my attachment to form and realize that the essence of what he's teaching is amazing. And he is really, a, I think I, he's the closest disciple to Robert Schmidt that I've found besides maybe Achuta Bhavadas um, that's out there right now that, that really can explain Schmidt's understanding of Hellenistic astrology, which I think is important. Okay. Um, and yes, and if you go to University of Maryland library or something, bring your your photo, <laughs> bring your camera and send me some pictures of that book. <laughs> like, yeah, you'll stop in Michigan on the way back to Iowa. Yes, yes, please, friend, please share, share the wealth. Okay, so that is uh, the Mercury trining Pluto. Let's get through this, friends. On the 28th, we have one, I think, one of the most important aspects of the month um, with a trine between Mars and Saturn. Now, if you recall, which I think many of you had, uh, we had a square between Mars and Saturn not that long ago that was pretty painful. It was pretty funky, pretty yuck. Um, and now, we've hopefully started to unravel some of the frustrations and are able to take action with the new knowledge that came up through maybe the, the barriers and the, and the boundaries and the frustrations and the no that we may have gotten at the Mars-Saturn square. So this is a, a place where we may be able to move on from the past to, to, to whittle down our options based on what is best for the whole and the collective, what is best for the long term, what is best for our most mature uh, type of expression, 
And I think that this is a, a, a good one to utilize that, that energy and to take actions that are sober. This is a time that, where you have ideas and, and forward movement that's based on what is possible, not what is like a fantasy. So, and it, and it still might be idealistic because it's an air sign, but these may be like the formation of new laws. I could see something like this happening. Like I, I keep your eyes peeled for legislation that goes through around this period of time because Mars making a trine to Saturn and saying, we're going to take action on the blueprint that Saturn wants to enact. Okay, so that is the 28th. And then the last thing that we have going on for the month is a that beautiful ingress everyone's been waiting for, right? Do, 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 do. Venus is moving into Libra. There it is. And eventually we'll have a Venus Kazemi. It's going to happen in Libra towards, that's going to happen in October. Um, but yeah, Venus is going to gain a whole mess of dignity, mess of dignity. Again, I think that this could be where, maybe this is where the law gets passed with the student loan forgiveness. And we say, we finally take action on some law like that. And then everybody's happy. And then the, or there's like this, Venus is able to bring justice to a, a, a thing that in the past, many people have felt was unfair. You know, part of my argument on this is that uh, a lot of those student loan companies are very predatory, and they, uh, there was even a lawsuit with the one that actually services my loans, Naviet, where they had a system that would have helped you repay something through an income-based system that would have allowed you to actually pay off your loans quicker with a 25-year repayment plan that's based on your income. But instead, they were forcing people into taking forbearances, which makes stops payments but continues to have the interest pile up so that your loan just gets huge and that's a predatory lender lending practice and there's all sorts of stories like that with these student loans so maybe that's part of it i don't know for sure that's just something that's in my consciousness that i think could be a possibility maybe there's something that we see that is uh, re related to fairness equality justice and law that comes up in the future that we've been dealing with we have other things related to female reproductive rights and things like that they're going on climate change, all these things. Um, we've got an investigation going on with with uh, sensitive documents. I, I don't know what's going on over there, but uh, this is um, this is something where I do think that we're going to see law come into form. So I'll I'll make that as a a prediction here that some some law is going to get enacted at the end of the month here that will restore balance and harmony. In our personal relationships, this may be where we did the hard work of, you know, dealing with releasing the old forms, and now we are, we finally have gotten some to a place where we feel like our needs are in harmony with, potentially with our partners. Although, Venus and Libra is going to be making and applying opposition to Jupiter, so there's, we're still dealing with I versus we around this time as well. So it's not going to completely go away, but I think Venus is at least trying to find common ground. I think that's what Venus and Libra really does. It, it is harmonizing the two perspectives that are, are, we're trying to choose between. Um, oftentimes, this two of swords card can speak to like a stalemate, right? Where we just have these two directions and we're indecisive. And maybe Venus is helping us to show us the advantages and disadvantages of the choice that we have to make. Okay, well, that's what I've got for the astrology for September. I'm going to look at the chat here because I've seen a lot of comments that have come on since 
I've been doing this. Thank you for sticking with me towards the end here. Um, man, Castle Rock, your brain is just going. Uh, I love it. W where's your placements, friend? Because you've got a lot of thoughts in, on your... Uh, <laughs> um, is there literature on this exalted lunation? Okay, get that, get that, get that, get that. Okay. Yeah, it's, yeah. Speaking about how difficult it is to ob obtain all the, the Project Hindsight material, although you can subscribe on their channel to like the lectures, it's like a monthly fee. I don't know, I haven't done that yet. I will eventually, but there's other things I've been trying to get through before I dive into that very dense material. Once again, that you've, you also, you, you say yes. Uh, very dense. Yep. Now, Martin's material is very dense, but all, Schmidt's material was like that too. Okay. Yeah, the, the slides are very, very busy, and it's really difficult for me sometimes to <laughs> parse through it. Uh, Raven says, oh my gosh, he was on Nightlight Speaker Series, and his slides were so difficult to navigate. Yeah, I feel like reaching out to him. But again, if we can get past the form, the essence of what he's saying is some, some of it is mind-blowing. Like he, he's, like I said, very close to the essence of Schmidt. And if we can get past the, the cluttered, clutteredness of the slides, there are amazing nuggets there. I should probably have him on the show. He seems like a sweet gentleman. Um, maybe he'd be a good guest sometime. And I'll tease him about his slides. <laughs> I'm sure he'd be okay. He's, he's an airy sun, cancer rising. So <laughs> hopefully it doesn't get too bad. Uh, Future Past um, says, Saturn, I like the overcoming trine position uh, over Mars and Gemini. It seems like it'll help us check ourselves before we wreck ourselves. Yes, especially during retrograde. Yes, yes, cooler heads, maturity will prevail. Try not to let your opinions get fired off before thinking it through in the big picture. I love that. Okay, very true. Um, okay. All right. I think that's what I've got. Um, let's talk about the, the divination that we pulled for this this week. What do you say? Um, I got as the as the animal the chickadee, which is a, a really I find chickadees to be these wonderful birds. They're they're just very bold. Um, they are very very uh, nimble. They can fly in a lot of different directions. They're usually the first bird to visit a feeder. Uh, they will land on your hand if they get used to you holding seed out. Um, they have a lot of different uh, chirps and songs. So, so adaptability, being social, having clear communication, um, you know, being able to practice diplomacy, I think, is important. Uh, being open to new ideas, projects, proposals, and people. Uh, it, I think this is a time to be a little bit more outgoing. I think we've, a lot of us have been isolated and we're trying to figure out how to reintegrate into society, myself included, and how to do that safely. Um, I won't go on another uh, pandemic rant, um, but I do sort of feel like <laughs> I'm still just kind of feeling it out. I think for me, I'm starting to maybe be a little bit more social, but I'm still wearing my mask in indoor spaces and I'm really getting uh, excited and trying to wait until the new boosters are out to really like engage a ton because i think that those will be very helpful so 
just recognize that people still are getting sick, but we still have to kind of live, live our lives a little bit too. I, I don't have a great answer for that. I know everyone's got it, their own opinion. Just be careful, is all I'll say. This is my cancer and motherly advice. But with the chickadee, be flexible. There's ways to be social that are safe. Um, it's about risk mitigation, I think. Like maybe don't like get into a mosh pit without your mask on with a bunch of sweaty people. <laughs> like that would make me really nervous. But maybe going on a walk with someone, you know, with the outside is is good and things like that. Okay, the hexagram that we got was number fifty, which translates to the cauldron, cultural renewal, in with the new, establishing things, formation of a new order, devotion, creating new rituals, polishing your talents, seeking spiritual values, being of service to others. So I think that we're starting to cook something new, right? And that is going to lead us to hexagram 14, which is called great possession or sovereignty, self-determination. That one's talking about we have everything we need to succeed in life within us, right? So it's, sovereignty is really, I believe it's related to Aries on some level because it lets us, to, lets us be uh, arbiters of our own experience, right? The sovereign was like a royal person that was able to give decrees, royal decrees. And you can be a personal sovereign and say, this is what's right for me, and this is what isn't. And everyone's got different opinions on that. Now, the, the, the changing line is really instructive on this. It's line number one. It says, the cauldron's legs are turned upside down. It is beneficial to remove obstructions. One takes a concubine for the sake of her son. No blame. So this is really about getting rid of all of the things that were old and stagnant before we start making a new start. So this is great for Virgo season. I love this. This is like clear out the clutter, get rid of your crap, and you know, get rid of your old ideas too that are holding you back. I know like for me, I've, I've, I've had to be in uh, fight or flight mode for the last couple of years. And I've been in this little security bubble, this walled garden. And it's gonna take some time to get out of that mindset as we make adjustments to what the new, whatever the, is required of us in our new reality. So it could be ideas, it could be literally getting rid of physical things in your space that aren't serving you. And that frees up energy, that frees up, uh, you know, chi to, to flow through your home and through your body and through your mind. It could be, you know, getting a new diet. I know that since my daughter has moved out and she eats certain things and me and my partner eat different things, we're having discussions about, well, what can we eat now? She didn't like, my daughter didn't like seafood, so we didn't eat a lot of fish, but I love it. And my, my partner does too. And we're like, let's, how are we going to eat more of this? And, and uh, maybe less carbohydrates and things like that. So eliminating things so that you can make a new start and so you can cook with new ingredients. So removing refuse, stagnant elements, and pre preparation for clearing and renewal, getting rid of stale energy to prep for a new start, self-purification and devotion to your new rituals. Virgo is all about the daily ritual, okay? So it's, it's the third house in the Thema Mundi, which is all about the daily habits that you go through, okay? Wanting to achieve something but feeling unworthy and needing to rid yourself of old and outmoded self, you know, ideals, self-images, self-personas, uh, Sometimes when we start something new, we, we, we get a little bit like uh, imposter syndrome, right? So, well, well, we're not as good as this person. That We've talked about this earlier with comparison. It's very important to just say, you know what? I, I'm, when I try to become a new thing, 
I have to just be open-minded, like the chickadee, adaptable. I have to try some new things out. I have to communicate. I have to let go of that old image of myself. I'm letting go of the old image of myself as a full-time, you know, parent that needed to be, you know, paying attention to everything my daughter did, you know, most of the day when she was in my space. Now she's an adult off in the world doing, making her own choices and, and trying to be responsible for her own choices. Doesn't mean I'm not a parent. Doesn't mean that I can't help her out. Just means that I have a new identity that I'm trying to uh, take on. And that requires releasing the old expectations. And that's something I think that everyone can do during this time. We can take on new personas. We can take on new identities. We can take on, you know, new material projects as well. Put aside preconceptions and be open-minded and ready to learn. Employ new and unorthodox methods. We saw that with the trines with uh, Venus and Uranus. Embrace beginner's mind. That is so important. Beginner's mind is something I talked about with my songwriting classes that I used to teach at, at community college. Is even if you have a lot of experience, you know, share your wisdom, but learn that to, to embrace the beginner mind. If you, if you are in a new thing, it's okay to be a beginner. A lot of the times as we are older, we're afraid to learn new things because we have this, we feel like we have to be expected to know things and that if we don't, we're less than. Well, that's just not true. You're not going to become great at anything if you don't embrace the beginner mind. So really important as we move forward is, is being humbling our ego so that we can learn what we need to, to be able to infuse essence into form. All right, friends, that's about what I've got for you today. Uh, thank you so much for all these comments. Uh, th thank you for all of the super chats and super stickers. Thank you for folks that have bought, bought me a coffee. Please, if you haven't yet, fill out that form. If you are interested in the group study that we're going to do, that's, I'm really excited about that. I'm really excited about getting to know you more in person and holding space for you and creating an even more tightly knit community through the, the Discord server, through Zoom, face-to-face -face types of things. And really, I'm excited about this material. So let's, let's go down this journey with Demetra together and really parse out some of these things. Um, and, and as always, please hit that like button, subscribe to the channel, subscribe to the newsletter. Uh, you'd really be doing me a favor by doing that today. Uh, thank you so much for all these comments. I'm just reading through a few final thoughts here. It says, our power on the internet went out. Oh, no, your power went out. I'm still here. Yes, Lynn, I'm still here. You can have your power go out, and I'll still be talking <laughs> two hours later. Uh, Beth says, thank you, Spencer, for that lean into Saturn advice. I'd unconsciously been building up anxiety this month, and my, well, my, ooh, and my marriage in Saturn is something I know how to lean into. Yes, there you go. Rely on the, the, the things that are, have supported you, the structures of your life. The mature process can be really helpful. Um, okay, friends, that's what I've got for you today. You all are amazing. I appreciate all of you so much. Um, I will see you the next time. I'll see you at the next, uh, at the full moon. Um, we'll have that coming up pretty soon. I've got some other things brewing in the hopper too that I'll announce in the coming weeks and months. But uh, as always, um, be kind to one another. Be kind to yourself, especially with Mars and Gemini. Watch your words. Kill them with kindness, okay? And I will see you the next time. So take care, everyone. Peace.